92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Amber Relate Show on the planet at the John Campbell Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good things. Of course, Chris Carr is still out this week. She's uh, recovering, uh, so she'll be back sometime in the next few days for sure. But joining me today, sitting over here, Writer, director, producer. You, of course, remember Agent Cody Banks. Robert Meyer Burnett is here, ladies and gentlemen. Robert, how you doing? It's funny. I was having a conversation about that very thing yesterday. Really? I don't talk, I don't talk about that much, but um, hey, you never know when things like that come back. You never know. <laughs> you know one never knows. Hey, we're in a big phase right now of going back to nostalgic material. I, I know. That's all I'm saying. Also joining us here today, of course, she's back for her second week. Amy Newman is here. Amy, how you doing? Good. Excited to be here for week number two. And of course, sitting over here, he's joining you guys in the live chat. So we'll be chatting with you guys in there all throughout the show. Ray Ora is here, Ray. So I saw this cool trailer for this oh. video game coming up. Uh, if any of you guys seen it, it's for Robocop. Oh, dude. Have, have you seen the trailer for it's that? Incredible. Oh man, and they even have it's old school Robocop, so the end the end shot when he walks through the shadows with his face. Peter Weller did the voice. Yeah. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Dude. I'm telling you, if you're a Robocop, when you see this, you're gonna be like, oh, I gotta play that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta play it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. keep my eyes over that. And of course, running the show today, producer Jonathan Voico. Jonathan, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How's everybody doing Monday morning? Yeah, and it is a Monday morning. Start of a brand new week. And guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. And in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, how do you get a live comment or question on the show? Well, number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats, and you guys can use the Super Chats to fire in your thoughts, comments, observations, theories, questions, whatever, and we will spend the second half of the show addressing those comments. Also, guys, want to remind you a little bit of housekeeping here. If you need your daily fix of the John Campia Show, but you can't always be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, you're at the gym, good news there's an audio-only version that we creatively call the John Campia Show Podcast. It is available now on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Look at those five stars. Just go and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. Also, we have a secondary podcast feed for our mailbag show, simply called Mailbag, a John Campia Show Podcast bonus feed. Again, go search for it, sign up for it, and it'll be there when you need it. Now, speaking of mailbag, I already kind of mentioned that we don't, you know, we we. To get a live comment or question on the show, you got to be watching live. But if you watch our show one of the other 22 hours during the day, well, good news. We have a show that we do almost daily called Mailbag. 
where you can actually write in and send in a tip to get your questions answered on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate for our show. So you're gonna have to take my picture down off there, but oh no, it fits on there. Uh, to get a comment or question on Mailbag or that we do almost daily, just go to www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv and yeah, you're gonna have to take my picture down, slash tip. Once you guys get there, you'll see that form, fill it out. Make sure you guys write in your name because a lot of times people forget to put in their name and we have to say anonymous. And if you write in and support our show, we wanna make sure we get your name a shout out. Anyway, follow that. We've got a new episode of Mailbag coming up a little bit later today, as a matter of fact. So keep your guys' eyes open for that. Also wanna let you guys know that yesterday we did a three plus hour open spoiler live discussion of Thor Love and Thunder. But we did not get through all of the questions that got sent in because it was over three hours. But we will put up part two of that a little bit later today. So if you were joining us for our live Thor Love and Thunder open spoiler discussion and we didn't get around to your question that you sent in, don't worry. That'll be up in part two later today. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's go. Uh-oh. What do we uh, got, Ray? Beep, 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 beep. Uh-oh. Breaking uh, news. Harley <laughs> Quinn season three anime, animated trailer just dropped. If you want to, there already was a trailer. No, this one just dropped 33 minutes ago. It's the official trailer. The the teaser was released. Remember oh. that the teaser? It's official. I don't know if we're, I, you know, I know you love the show, so I just had to bring it. I, I Thank do. You, I, I love that show and I cannot wait to watch it, but I'll have to watch the new trailer for it okay. a little bit later. All right. With that, let's get into an off the top. And that one is this. Now, one of the unfortunate things about fandom is as awesome as it is, and I've loved being a part of it for my whole life, boy, we can be assholes sometimes. <laughs> and one of the big things that, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of trending in is the brave anonymous keyboard warriors um, who take it upon themselves to be totally abusive to people online because they don't like their character or whatever. When I say abusive, I don't just mean, ah, you know, your character wasn't my cup of tea. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear online. Yeah, <laughs> I don't quite agree with you. That's fine. No, 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 not. We're talking about like the the venomous, like awful, toxic, cancerous, racist. You know, with like all, everything you can imagine, kind of stuff. And we've seen a lot of people like who are involved in acting or filmmaking or whatever just have to get off social media, yeah, because of, which is really unfortunate. One of the people who's been at the receiving end of that is. The actress who plays Iris on CW's The Flash, Candace Patton, and she recently came out and said that she almost walked away from the show during season two because of the sheer amount of online abuse that she was getting. And now she talks a lot in, in the interview about she decided to stay because she felt there was a responsibility because at that point, because remember, this Flash show started airing, what, nine years ago, yeah. eight years ago? At that point, there wasn't a wide diversity of representation in, in comic book material yet at that time. And so she said she felt kind of responsibility to stick it out and blah, blah. One of the interesting things, though, is that she kind of criticized Warner Brothers that they didn't do anything to protect her. Now, Rob, a number of days ago, you and I were kind of talking about this issue. Number one, I am totally, I would totally be behind. You'd have to be very careful how you drafted it. I would totally be, totally behind any law that got passed for social media that you had to use your real name oh, yeah. on social media. Like none of this, 
I'm a cowardly little cuck hiding behind some, oh, I'm Boobmaster715, you little coward. <laughs> no, I, I'd be totally Why for- Why you got at me that way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, damn it. Sorry about that. Like, I would some, any other name? I would be totally okay with some kind of law being passed on social media that, hey, you want to- you have the freedom to say whatever you want to say, but you got to stand behind what you say. You got to let people know it's you saying it. Let's see how brave you are then. Mm. I'd be totally for that. But mm. the reality is whenever put you put yourself out there to be in a movie or in a TV show or on a YouTube video, you're going to be the target of some lowlifes. I mean, that's just part of the reality of life. It is what look it is. Look at our talkbacks. Look, look at ours, <laughs> right? So... I get her frustration. Yep. And I can only imagine because I mean, we get, we get stuff because we're on YouTube, right? So we get stuff like that. But I am a white straight male. So I get a very different kind of backlash than something that Candace would get, right? So I can't even imagine the type of vitriol that, that she would have to be exposed to all the time. Yeah. So, but the question becomes in kind of saying like Warner Brothers should have done more to protect me. What can Warner Brothers do? I mean, it, it, and I don't try. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to give Warner Brothers an out on this, but but really, what is Warner Brothers supposed to do? Is Warner Brothers supposed to jump online and just say like just tweet things of their own in her defense? Well, if you do, you know these knuckle dragger basement dwelling cousin humpers. They're the ultimate straw man arguments arguers, right? Like if they say, hey, listen, guys, we're, we're seeing a lot of this racist stuff being sent to, at Candace. You're going to get these knuckle draggers going, Warner Brothers saying, if you don't like their show, you're just racist. It's like their ultimate straw. Like they, 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 these again, these cousin humpers, they're the ultimate straw man argument people. But, you know, that's what well, would happen. It only would have made the problem even worse if they had done that. So short of getting off social media, I'm not quite sure what Warner Brothers could have done. Um, to protect her again, it sucks that she's been she was the target of that kind of online abuse. But at the same time, I'm like, but okay, I get that, and that sucks. But what was Warner Brothers supposed to do about it? I, I'm I'm not really sure what the answer to that question is. Now, now, granted, I'm not the world's biggest expert on social media, so maybe there's an obvious answer going right over my head. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Rob, you hear about this situation, you know, it, it, it sucks that a young lady pursuing her dream, being an actress, gets to be a big highlighted thing, a show like this, becomes a target of a lot of abuse. But if you're going to be a celebrity, you're going to have to understand that that's going to be partially a part of it. But what could Warner Brothers have done, do you think? I, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what, because they're, they're, it's not an area they can't even police, even if they wanted to. You know, you can't go on to a lot of whether it's Reddit, whether it's Twitter, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook or anywhere. Where where do you go? Um, they're they're a film company. And first of all, as an aside, have you seen Candace? She's the kind of girl you should run to open a door for her if you see her with her groceries in her hand. Well, as you should with anyone. Uh, I, I was going to say, as opposed to. <laughs> well, as opposed to if you're not as hot as Open your own door, no I'll go. for you. That's no, not no. what I meant. You know, I was just trying to use, now, now it's everybody. No, but 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 it, it's just, I don't understand. Look, in the face. I, I, I don't care. A, a woman who is 80 years old, I open doors for everybody, like you said. Yeah, and men too. 
Like, I mean, like, I mean, he says, no. excuse me, can you open this door for me? And you go, wait a minute, let me get a better look at you. <laughs> and Man, six you know out what? of ten, uh, I'll open it, I won't hold Bad it. example, uh, you know. Uh, I, I just think she's a very attractive woman. Of course, she, absolutely, know, yeah. That's always making the point. Uh, I don't understand why she would have to suffer any online abuse. But, you know, what's, 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 what's interesting to me is I think having been in the fan space, fans have a hard time dealing with adaptation from if something is not exactly like it was in the comics they don't Hugh Jackman castles Wolverine what everybody gets mad six foot two strapping handsome song and dance man from Australia is not would you hold the door for him I would absolutely (laughs) hold the door for him (laughs) by god I would and I would do it twice on Sunday no but but you know what I mean it's 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 like I see this all and we see this all the time and and when fans perceive that what they're used to in one medium, when it gets translated to another, there's a lot of fan vitriol. And I do think that a studio could be a little bit more proactive in making people aware of this beforehand. Because a lot of actors, they're not fans. They're not deeply... A lot of the time, the first time they're dealing with genre material is when they get cast in these roles. So they don't understand what the fan base is, you know, right. and, and this, I remember, dude, I was on, on Star Trek uh, websites. I was on chat boards on AOL and we would get in, <laughs> in some vitriolic, chat boards argu- on AOL. vitriolic arguments, you know, 30 years ago about warp nacelle design and they've changed the warp speeds and the original series and the next generation. And, you know, you would get, and these things, it's not like this has not happened for years and years and years. So I do think maybe that when you are are brought into any franchise property of any kind, any science fiction, fantasy, horror, any beloved franchise, especially if it's being adapted from another medium that's been around for a while, that maybe have a, I don't know, what you call it, they've got HR departments, have a package or some kind of a, some kind of a thing. Just so you really, like, make sure you give your, your stars training and how to deal with it themselves to to yeah that's what i mean and and just make them aware of it because you know it's somebody like like you think oh i get cast in a star wars movie this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and then suddenly you're being bullied off twitter when you're just an actor saying the words that somebody else gave you to say and and i think that actors they're like for the most part actors have a joyous i was cast in a show they're not thinking i don't i'm not i don't know what iris west looked like you know, in the Flash comics, I've never read the Flash comics before. This is a great job. I just got hired for a CW TV show. I'm on the Flash. How great is this? Well, it's yeah. good. Yeah, there's a dark side to it, too. Anyway, Amy, you you hear about this sort of thing, and it's it's awful when any individual has to suffer that kind of stuff. But what do you think maybe could have been done otherwise? I mean, I think just uh, there's fandom and then there is as as you were kind of touching on john just what can happen to women and especially women of color and people of color in these communities it's going to be a hatred that goes beyond this isn't what they look like in the comics i don't like that there's unfortunately very hateful people where that is going to be beyond just like oh they hurt my feelings there's this feels dangerous and scary and hateful in a way that you know uh doesn't doesn't necessarily happen to everybody uh It is hard because it is the Internet. Uh, In what I saw, it seemed like there was some complaints on her end that there were comments being left up. And I'm assuming she's referring to like 
uh, CW, like actual social media posts where comments were left standing. Where they do have power to do it. And that is something where they could go, we're not going to tolerate misogyny or racism, you know, and and we're keeping this a space where that you can have your opinion, but that's not being tolerated. But I do agree that unfortunately beyond that, don't read the posts. You know, I I'm a white woman, but I've been a woman on the Internet for some time. And if I, you know, read YouTube comments for something like this, I recognize there's a potential that someone might say something real shitty about me. And I'd like to be protected from that. But at the end of the day, it sucks. But some of that does become you got to protect yourself. Should CW be stepping up on their own post? Absolutely. But if she's getting DMs and stuff. It sucks, but yeah, there's there's only so much they can do to protect her from that as a company. Well, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? Unfortunately, there are knuckle-dragging, cousin-humping, basement-dwelling losers in our society who will do shitty stuff like this. However, what do you think a company that you're working for can maybe do to mitigate that, if anything at all? I mean, as Amy's pointing out, maybe it's one thing if it's their own channel, but what about when it's just open social media, whether it's an Instagram or a Twitter or whatever? Whatever you guys think about this touchy situation, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top, and that is this. You know, I was perusing all the main trades as I like to do, and I came across this really interesting article on Variety that was talking a lot about the tremendous success the box office has had thus far in 2022 with a lot of big surprise wins, um, fewer big disappointments. Like every summer, there's a, there's a big movie coming out that always disappoints, fewer than they were expecting mm-hmm. this year to the point that it's actually rivaling this year. It's getting close to what 2019 was pre-pandemic. Yep. This comes to us from the folks at Variety. This is interesting. It says this. With those back-to-back-to-back triumphs and a speed bumper to <clears throat> Pixar's Lightyear, uh, the summer box office has generated $2.27 billion between May and June 10th, according to Comscore. Those returns are 217% above the same time period in 2021 and only 12% behind the identical time frame in pre-pandemic America of 2019, which suggests that the doomsayers were absolutely wrong and people haven't forgotten about the movies. But, this is where it gets interesting, but where does popcorn season go from here? Hollywood studios have already unloaded their surefire hits, leaving the rest of this summer's movie slate, Paramount's family comedy, Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, Jordan Peele's thriller, Nope, DC League of Super Pets, and Brad Pitt's Bullet Train, and Idris Elba's Beast, which looks really good, by the way, uh, to look like a series of question marks. Any film on the lineup could turn into a sleeper hit, but it has box office analysts wondering, will Thor Love and Thunder be the summer's last hurrah, or are there more box office surprises in store? So there's a whole bunch in this article to kind of unpack. Number one is... Well, I think we've all been kind of feeling like, wow, like the the theater is really kind of surging right now. It, there's bigger successes than we thought. We still, I mean, the latest study in Deadline kind of shows there still isn't everybody been willing to go back to the movie theaters yet. And yet the numbers have recovered really well, only 12% behind the pre-pandemic era in 2019. That's impressive. But we've had big hits like Doctor Strange, obviously Top Gun Maverick. Um, Jurassic World has made money. I mean, and, and it goes on. Thor Love and Thunder just opened. We'll talk about that 
in a little bit. But what's left for the rest of the summer? This summer, I think it's fair to say, is kind of front-end loaded. Because I think the biggest thing still to come is probably nope. Mm -hmm. I mean, nope is probably the biggest thing. And I don't see that being an $800 million movie. I mean, I hope it is. I hope it's great. But I don't see that. I don't think Pause of Fury is going to be huge. But maybe, hey, if it can do bad guys kind of numbers, that's not bad. So we'll see how that does. I have zero interest in DC Super Pets. But I don't know. Maybe everybody else is excited about it. So maybe that's just me. Hopefully that can do well. Bullet Train looks awesome. They showed us how how much of it. The they showed us the first reel of Bullet Train when we were at CinemaCon, and it's awesome. But I don't hear a lot of buzz from it from the average film fan. So I don't know how. I think the movie's going to be great, but I don't know how well it's going to do. So I think we're probably heading to a slower second half of the of the year of the summer, I should say. Rob, let me throw this over to you. If you had to pick one of those remaining films, I mean, there's no other, you know, Doctor Strange, Top Gun remaining, but if you had to look at those remaining films, which of these ones do you think could possibly be a potential sleeper hit that could boost the second half of the summer? Well, the, aside from the family animation movies, and I always look at animation movies not necessarily as sleeper hits because they have a built-in audience of families. So if they're good... Yeah, look at Minions. Like, but Minions is a is a franchise picture. That's true. You know, if, and, and maybe Pause of Fury, you could say something like that, but... But none of, and also none of the movies that are coming out cost two hundred million dollars either. Right. So they're all lower budget films, which is what traditionally you see in August. Now, if a nope, if he captures, if it becomes a zeitgeist movie the way Get Out was, you know it, it, that people are talking about it, and it becomes. I don't even see even if it becomes the biggest hit of the, of Jordan Peele's career. I don't see a movie like Nope grossing three or four hundred million dollars domestically. At all, because it's a horror, it's a genre movie, it's niche, it's not going to have the broad appeal of a Top Gun Maverick. It's not going to have a broad appeal of a Well, it all depends on how many times Ray goes to see it, because I don't know that there's another movie that Ray is more excited for than than Nope. Pause of Fury? (laughs) (laughs) But like Nope, too, I mean, how much do these movies cost and how much are they going to make? Um, I think Bullet Train looks great. But in no way, shape, or form is Bullet Train, and I could be wrong, but it's not going to also not going to gross two, three, four hundred million dollars domestically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, domestically. And I don't think it was ever thought that it was going to. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much Bullet Train might have been a lot more expensive, but but I still don't think it's a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. You know, I just don't see it as that because it's basically set. I mean, for what we understand, majority set on a train, so it's. But it could be you know more expensive with those directors and. Uh, is this is this a, I keep forgetting is this a David Leach film? It's one it's the I think it's the other, it's the other one. Okay. Yeah, ahead. I think. So I don't see it as being some monster hit. I don't even see it grossing five hundred million dollars worldwide. No, neither do I. But here's the thing. But it doesn't need to either. No. And these movies, I see them all as being fairly successful though. I don't know about Super Pets. I mean, I haven't even seen anything on Super Pets that made me go, mm, that looks good. I, I want it to be, but it nothing I've seen on it made even at CinemaCon, I'm like, not laughing not enjoying it but i think the movies can still make money and i think if you have you don't necessarily have to have one monster hit but if you have three movies that are consistently bringing in audiences for the month of august whether it's or the end of we've got the end of the last half of july and and august they can still make sure that the business is healthy because the movies are scaled back you're not expecting you're not expecting a billion dollar gross from a movie that isn't a big franchise property so if a movie was caught if costs 50 million dollars but it makes 
175 million that's that's a pretty good result amy what do you think when you look at the balance of the rest of the summer i mean obviously it can't be as big as the first half of the summer was but is there any movie in there that you think has a chance to kind of buoy it up a bit you know i'm cautiously optimistic i i think this summer has really seen people really excited to get back to theaters in a way they just haven't been and rightfully so with everything going on in the world but you know i i feel like we had these hits and um you know, obviously people really were enthusiastic about Top Gun, but I feel like we've had several sort of franchise movies that have been a bit of a, it was fun, it wasn't brilliant, I kind of felt like I had to see it because I liked the franchise with like a Thor, with a, you know, with the new uh, Jurassic movie, but I'm wondering if we get one of these, like a Nope, where, you know, Jordan Peele is very proven, people are very excited about his work, you know, I'm very excited to see it, and I know a lot of people are, if one of these becomes just a huge smash just in terms of getting that word of mouth buzz i'm cautiously optimistic that one of these could become a bigger hit than what we're expecting right now just sort of riding the wave of that enthusiasm and people going i i'm i'm loving getting back into theaters oh and something just totally new and original and kind of brilliant and crowd pleasing I, yeah right the, the thing with nope i think what it has going against it it's the same thing with black phone i i really like the movie but there was no urge for me to uh go back and see it again I think mm. if there's mm. like a twist at the end of Nope, I think it's going to really depend on the first weekend because like after that, it's, it's like those movies like I don't go back and see because you already know what happens at the end, which this movie might have. Also, I don't. I, it's just something that I don't think there's might not be any rewatchability to Nope. I, that's why I hope people go and see it like right away because there might be something that spoils the whole thing. It seems like it's going to be something like that. Well, and if it does, I feel like on the flip side, though, if it gets that word of mouth going of like, oh, you got to see it before you hear anything, yeah. is that going to push people out in a different way? Well, yeah. And then there's a question of, is this one going to be more get out or is it going to be more us? Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of us. <laughs> I, I, hmm. I really hope there are aliens in it. That would get me to go back and watch it. Well, it certainly <laughs> looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a government play. I don't know. <laughs> question is for you guys. What do you think about this? The box office has surged. It is 12% behind what it was pre-pandemic era, which is huge. But with what's coming with the rest of the summer, what can be a sleeper hit? What can raise that whole level up? Whatever movie you guys think it is, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. We're going to move now into our main topics here today. But before we do, we want to thank a sponsor of today's episode. Want to learn a new language? Check out our friends at Babbel. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Babbel. For most of us, learning a second language in school wasn't exactly a high point for our academic careers. Being Canadian, I had to take like eight years of French and I can barely string together a couple of sentences. But now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with your family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. For me, being a Canadian that has moved down to Southern California, there's a lot of Spanish that's spoken around here, so I decided I wanted to learn Spanish. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different language lessons, including Spanish, 
French, Italian, and German, and many others. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash campia. That's babbel.com slash campia for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. And a big thank you to our friends at Babbel for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, all of our sponsors and their promo codes are down in the description of this video because when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting our channel. So thank you to Babbel for being here. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with them. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampishow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Amy. What is our first main topic today? Our first topic comes to us from uh, Gary Madigan. Hey, John and crew. Hope everything is good. A new article from uh, The Hollywood Reporter saying that the director of Anthony Mackie's Captain America 4 is Julius Ona, who directed... Is it Luce? Luce? Luce. Luce. There we go. Luce and the Cloverfield Paradox. I think this is an interesting choice for a new Cap movie, and I'm looking forward to it. What do you all think of the choice of director? Thanks, and BOTF. Well, actually, there's a couple of interesting things here, because, yes, we have a director. Yeah. Great. But the bigger story is, oh, this thing's actually moving forward now. Mm-hmm. Right. They're actually heading because it was a while ago that Anthony Mackie mentioned that we're going to do a, a cap movie and we got excited about that. But then it's been radio silence. Yeah. It's like, are they really going to do it? Are they not? Is or was that just kind of alluding to, you know, a Falcon and Winter Soldier or Cap and the Winter Soldier season two or whatever? But no, it's a movie. And they got themselves a director. This comes to us from the folks over at Screen Rant who write the following. The gears are starting to turn at Marvel Studios for Captain America 4 as Julius Ona has signed on to direct. The upcoming chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is expected to continue the story of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in which Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson grappled with his internal conflict over whether to carry on the Captain America mantle as Steve Rogers asked him to do so in Avengers Endgame. The final episode of the Disney Plus series would see Sam combine his Falcon suit with that of Captain America's design and wielded Steve's iconic vibranium shield. Okay, so we've got Ona coming on to direct. Two key things that he directed. One is Loose, Mm -hmm. which is a strong movie. It's it's a strong movie, lower budget, um, killer cast. Octavia Spencer's in there. Uh, uh, the guy who plays Abomination, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Roth. Roth. Tim Roth is in there playing Luce's dad. Powerful story that has you guessing all the way up to the end about what's really going on, all that kind of stuff. It's a strong, small movie. However, he also directed Cloverfield Paradox, <laughs> which is, I, I feel comfortable saying, one of the worst films I've seen in the last 10 years. And it was so bad that Paramount had this Cloverfield movie coming out in theaters. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. It was coming out in theaters. It's Super Bowl Sunday. And then Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday, they drop a trailer for it and announce 
Everybody's expecting it to come out in theater in a few weeks. And on Super Bowl Sunday, they drop a trailer saying, uh, Cloverfield Paradox, now online on Netflix. And it's like, what? <laughs> so they go, okay, that's not a good sign. And I went to watch it. It's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that movie is terrible. Terrible movie. Now, it, it, listen, there are movies that are doomed from the get-go, regardless of what director comes in and does what. In Loose, he showed he can handle complex characters and a complex story. In Cloverfield Paradox, couldn't really handle the bigger sci-fi, the, the, the more imagination spreading stuff, whatever. Which one is the real Ona? I don't know, but we're going to find out because we're going to see Captain America 4. Now, if it wasn't for Loose, I'd be saying, oh, my God, this is a disastrous hire. But Loose is there, and it's very well done. So it's interesting. But again, to me, the bigger story is that Captain America is moving forward. Now, I don't know. Maybe you guys in live chat can help me out here. I haven't heard anything official about whether or not this is a theatrical movie or whether this is a Disney Plus movie. Because the reality is they kind of took Falcon and Winter Soldier to Disney Plus. Yeah. And can they now rebound off that? And I didn't love Falcon and Winter Soldier. I mean, I liked it about the same amount that I liked Loki. Again, I didn't love either of them. But can they bring it back to the big screen now? I mean, I, I, you know me. I like theatrical releases much better. Um, will Sebastian Stan be in this? Or will it strictly be Cap? I mean, I don't know. Look, I'm just kind of excited this thing's moving forward at all. Anyway, Amy, you hear about this. What do you think about the director choice and the very fact that it's moving forward at all? I mean, I'm excited to hear that it's moving forward, definitely. And I, I think one thing that's interesting, just looking at, you know, his relatively short filmography, you're dealing with three things that are kind of in that thriller genre. So I feel like not only do we have a director, but suddenly we kind of have a genre in the way that mm. most of the Marvel movies sort of are working in subgenres at this point. I feel right. like pretty across the board. So that was my big takeaway of like, OK, I feel like I have... I don't know exactly where they're going with it, but to me that that feels like a really strong indicator of sort of what subgenre of film we're we're moving into. I hope it's a theatrical release. I could definitely see them dumping this on Disney Plus though. I mean, it's probably theatrical. Yeah. They probably yeah. I'm just I don't think I've heard anything official on this. Yeah. Rob, you hear about the the director choices moving forward. What's standing out to you here? Well, maybe Kevin Feige, you know, he's good at looking at talent that hasn't had the yes, chance he is. to step mm -hmm. up. And so I think maybe I I would trust in him in terms of his for the most part, I think his directorial choices have been strong. Um, you know, The Cloverfield Paradox is a weird thing. It didn't even start out as that. It was a movie that was being made called The God Particle. Yes. And it was being made for a long time. Like, they did lots of reshoots on it and, and things like that. So I think it might have been a project that was kind of a mess from the beginning. Yeah. You know? And 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 they hired a, a director. I mean, I didn't think it was badly made. I just thought it was bad. No, I mean, it's kind of like... The story was, it was the writing. In the it's like Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch. If you put that movie on and have it on mute, oh yeah, you'd think you're watching a pretty good movie until you turn the volume back on and start hearing things. But so, that probably yeah. means decent director, bad script. Maybe. Although yeah. Zack Snyder did write, didn't he write Sucker Punch? Well. <laughs> By the way, I do have a baby doll hot toy figure. I don't know if I can uh, put it up without people looking at me going, what's that from? Well, it's a sucker punch, dude. <laughs> well, it's a little weird for you to have it, isn't it? And I'm like, well, probably. But would but you hold the door I for I was just going to ask. I would hold the door for baby doll. Yes, I would. Um, All right, that guys. was an internal conversation Rob had with himself before he bought it. <laughs> would I hold the door for this person? All right, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about this? Captain America 4 now officially has a director. A 50-50 kind of split on how good that stuff is, but it is moving forward, and now he will be working with Kevin Feige. How do you guys feel about this? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Amy, what is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from Calvin Patel. Hello, crew. I just read an article from The Gamer talking about VFX artists refusing to work with Marvel due to stress and unrealistic deadlines. This was backed by a Drew Goville who left the VFX industry after working with Marvel and said they're the worst client to work with. Colleagues breaking down after being overworked while Marvel tightens the purse strings. What are your mm. thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And listen. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. There is a really unfortunate reality that has been a part of the movie industry for a very, very long time. And that is that visual effects workers are massively overworked. You remember a couple of years ago where a lot of people on social media, I can't remember if this eight, nine years ago, maybe a little bit less, where a lot of people on social media start taking down their profile pictures and just put up a blank green box mm -hmm. representing solidarity with visual effects artists. And there's this great story out there, heartbreaking, but great story out there about this company won an Academy Award for uh, the, the one with the kid in the boat with the lion. Um, oh, Life Ang of Lee's Pi. Film. Life of Pi. Life of Pi. It was Ang Lee, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Ang Lee's find Life of Pi. They win an Academy Award, and the week later, they have to shut down. Mm -hmm. There is, it. the visual effects world is a cutthroat minuscule margin business where and labor intensive and and super super labor intensive where say somebody like dc will come along and say okay we have this project we have this block of visual effects shots that need to be done here are the shots that need to be done and then they put it out for tenor and different companies will come in and put in a bid they say we will do that job for this much money and then so DC will look around and say, well, well, this company says they'll do it for a little bit less. So right from the beginning, you have to come to these companies and say, we will do it for the minimum amount of money that we possibly can that's going to keep us afloat. <laughs> and hope that somebody else doesn't come in even lower than that. And believe me, as somebody who worked in the visual effects industry, there are definitely times when companies will come in just to keep work going and actually knowingly bid on a project where they know they're going to take a loss. Where they know this is going to cost us $5 million to do this project, but we had to bid at 4.5. We're going to take a half a million dollar loss on this. And here's the thing. Once you bid on it, that's it. So you bid on it. You, you've committed now to doing the work. So you look at the, the storyboarding. You look at the animatics. You go, okay, so here's this effect shot. But now they can keep coming back to you and say, well... Now we want that dragon to have five horns instead of four. Well, okay. Well, you've already bid on the project. 
You go and make five. And and there have been nightmare stories for years about artists working 18, 19, 20 hours a day, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You speak English. I can't. That's right. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, all the way through. I remember myself when I worked at a visual effects company, like we would get in a certain project and we were a smaller company. Mm. Like we were a sub sub company. So here's what would happen. So uh, a company, a studio would put out a a package. Say, okay. We need these visual effects done. And then a big visual effects house would win the bid, but they don't have enough labor to do all of it. So then they take some of it and they put it out for smaller companies like us to take over some of them. Right. And I remember we would, we literally brought in cots into the, into the office. We would work, 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 sprint over to Seven Eleven, grab a Slurpee, come back, work, 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 crash on the cot for 90 minutes, back up, work, 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 work. And that's just the way it does. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the big client now, obviously the biggest client in the industry is Marvel with all their movies and Disney plus shows and all that kind of stuff. So they're the ones giving out a lot of work. But with all that work comes a lot of frustration. That hasn't just been limited to Marvel. This has been a problem for over a decade. But the Marvel's the biggest player now. This comes to us from the folks over at The Gamer, who are writing about a lot of threads going on over on Reddit between a lot of visual effects artists who are now saying they don't even want to work on Marvel projects anymore because there's just so much stress. I'm on my third Marvel project in a row, and literally I just woke up at 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday with stress. I don't want to do this anymore, writes Avdar. Uh, it's 6 a.m. now, and I'm making a reel to apply someplace has, that has projects other than Marvel because I can't do this anymore. Uh, Mickey M00 M00 shared a particularly shocking account of their time working with the studio. Marvel has seen grown men punch walls and throw monitors from stress. I broke down a couple of times and have seen the strain it can put on marriages. But hey, the money was fantastic. F Marvel as a client, the credit name is not fucking worth it. And that and, and there's many more stories like that. It's important to point out that this isn't some limited because what this visual effects artist is going to find is that when they go to another house that doesn't have Marvel as a client, they're going to find it doesn't get much better. Unfortunately, this has been part of the reality in the visual effects world for a long time. As the magic on screen has expanded, the working conditions for people who make that magic happen has not. And we've seen iconic visual effects houses go out of business. We've seen long time career visual effects professionals leave the business. It is a mind numbingly. Somebody once put it out like this. It's like being a first year legal at a giant law firm. You're working 20, 21 hours a day. You're squeezing in a couple of minutes of sleep here and there. And then you're right back to it. You're missing family functions, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then the question becomes, is the money good enough? And you can make good money as a visual effects artist, but this is a problem. And now that Marvel is the king of the hill putting out most of the work, they, like other clients, will just go, okay, well, now we want five revisions. And you just got to do them. Even if it was never budgeted for, monetarily, time, resources, whatever, and you just got to make it work and you just got to make it happen. And because when it's not perfect, ooh, the audience will scream about it. We do. That's what we do. So it is a tough thing to be a part of. Yeah. Rob, you were reading this story and, and a lot of the, the stories coming out, the accounts from a lot of people who are visual effects artists is like, it's just, 
yeah, having Marvel on your resume is great. Okay, great money, blah, blah. But at what point is it too much? And, and what can the industry even do that doesn't balloon the, the budget of these movies even more? Well, it's tough. I mean, there's another real problem in that there's not even enough effects artists as there is. I mean, I remember I, when Sonic 2, a friend of mine was telling me about they were talking to an executive uh, about the, uh, Paramount about the making of the, of the movie. And they were worried if the movie was going to make its release date um, because they didn't have enough. You know, they're working 24-7 to get this stuff done. And the thing is, there's more while Marvel is the obvious big player in the game because they're doing TV and movies. Almost and a every, lot of them, and a lot of them, and almost every show now, you know, even even shows like Ozark have effect shots in them, whether it's gunfire or wire removal or so. These are all effect shots. There simply isn't enough effects teams to handle all the work, and so everybody's overworked. And the thing is, there's only so much. There's only a finite budget. With which to, there's not an unlimited budget. You think, well, Marvel doesn't matter. Like, they can pay whatever they want. But even Marvel still has a budget, even the, if the budget's $250 million. They have to finish it for $250 million. You know, Kevin Feige just can't call up the Disney bank and go, yo, we need $30 million more for effects. It doesn't work that way. And so without enough time, because there's never enough time to do effect shots, uh, you've got people that are working overtime. And, of course, the companies don't have to, they don't have the money to pay overtime. They expect you to, because they made a bid, like you pointed out. They just expect you to get the shot done. You know, it doesn't matter. You have to work 30 hours straight. You have to work 30 hours straight. You don't get double overtime. There isn't double overtime. You, if you want to work, and that's why so many people get burnt out, because <laughs> it's it's like, we'd love you to go home, but we just don't have enough time for you not to be working on this effect shot. It has to be 16 hours a day. It has to be. Otherwise, we're not going to get it done. So that's the real problem. There's an unrealistic... Uh, there's an unrealistic expectation on the part of the producers because they're not, they, they only, they don't have all the time and money that they want. They only have a certain amount. And I don't know. I do not know what the solution is because I I've worked in special makeup effects, not visual effects, but I've seen the same thing there. There are people are making masks. They're making prosthetics. There's never enough time. But when I was in my stint, I was there for three years working in special makeup effects. And I'm like, how do you fix this problem? And this was 30 years ago. And here's the thing. I don't think there's any one culprit. No. Right? Because look at if, if you're DC or Paramount or Marvel, let's stick with Marvel. If you're Marvel, right? And Rob, Amy, you both run visual effects companies. And I say, okay, hey guys, I'm doing Captain America 4. We've got our script done. We've done the everything. Here's the visual effects package that we need done. It's uh, 400 shots. Um, here you go. Take a look at it. Come back to me and tell me your bid. And if you, Rob, come back to me and say, I can do this for $100, well, then that's on you. Right. Exactly. That you said it's $100. And, and then I want to work for Marvel. Yeah. And if, and if Amy comes to me and says, well, I'll do it for $99, i am like, okay, well, you told me you can do it for $99, so here you go. <laughs> Is that really Marvel's fault? But at the same time... I mean, it. I, I know you can't do this because it would be called collusion and that's illegal, but I almost feel like the visual effects company should get together and make a rule for themselves. They should police themselves and make a rule that says, um, we all collectively agree that we will never offer a bid on a job that goes under 
5% profit for us. Like if I know this is going to cost me a million dollars or let's say a hundred dollars to do this job, I will not bid under 105, mm. right? And if you can do it for cheaper and still be profitable, God bless. But other than that, I don't know what else the answer is because these visual, this system is set up in such a way that the visual effects houses constantly are having to lower and lower and lower their bids and then make their people work harder and harder and harder and harder. But what's yeah. what's the, the visual effects company supposed to do? Not try to win the contract? I mean, so I don't know where the, I don't think there's any one point of failure on this. I think it's a systemic problem that they got to figure this out. I also think too, another, another problem in terms of this particular issue is that the studios now like marvel they have a visual effects and a design team that is working on these movies way in advance of them going to production mm -hmm. and they rely heavily on visual effects and the actual the 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 days of a producer and a director sitting there with a budget and your line producer and going over and saying okay we can only have this many effects and then the director's like okay, we have to figure out how to make this shot work with these amount of effects. Now it's like whatever effects we need. There's no, the amount of effects, these action sequences are almost untethered. I mean, you still have to budget for them, but they expect a lot more too. Like we're going to have this giant action scene and we can put as many effects in this as we want. So there isn't as much of a, you know, like when they, they did things in the, in the olden days, they didn't have so much computer technology. So you had to really plan out your shots. Amy, you take a look at this. I don't know. What's the solution? What are they supposed to do about this? I don't know. I absolutely agree that there's just a systemic issue here. I mean, from my background as a as a performer, you see it all the time where it's like th this project isn't worth what they're asking and what they're paying. But if I don't take it, there's a line of actresses behind me who will because yeah. people want to be doing this work. People you know, want to work for Marvel of all things, too. I mean, we're not talking about just, you know, even if there is some shortage of VFX artists, I'm sure there's always another house willing to work with Marvel. So at the end of the day, it just becomes really complicated. And, you know, I was reading some of this Reddit thread and people were going, yeah, and the, the effects don't look great. But for me, as just your everyday moviegoer, it still looks good to me. And, and I feel like Marvel isn't going to start fixing these problems unless and until it starts really affecting the, the quality. So at the end of the day, it's just like there's always going to be someone who says, yeah, we'll do it for cheaper because they want Marvel. Yeah. And and then if you're Marvel, what happens when a product goes out that's not great? She-Hulk first trailer before they updated the visual effects on it. Fair. Yeah. You get the odds. It whined and complained and the uproar. Ah, there's not enough pores on her nose or or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Marvel's getting land based. So now so then Marvel takes that and goes to the visual effects. I says, uh, you guys need to do better. You guys give us new revisions. I mean, so it's tough. It is a systemic problem. Guys, question is for you. This has been a problem that's been going on for a long time in the visual effects industry. And it's not gone away, even though people don't talk about it nearly as much. What do you think might be some of the potential solutions to this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a second here and hear from another one of our sponsors of today's episode, our friends at Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why you should start using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you'll earn cash back, 
thanks to Upside. Every time you leave the house, you can use Upside. The app is incredibly easy to use. It isn't too good to be true. You can use it yourself and see that it works. Upside is a no-brainer. What do you plan to do with all your cash back? To get started, download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use our promo code CAMPIA and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code CAMPIA to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code CAMPIA. And thank you to the folks at Upside. You know, they were the very first sponsor of the John Campia Show. Thanks to Upside for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic number three. Amy, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes to us from box office fan. Tom has made it clear there will be no Top Gun 3, just as it was clear there will be no Joker 2, Back to the Future 2, and Gremlins 2. Money talks and it's screaming. Wall Street Journal is reporting that his Top Gun 2 is now Paramount's highest grossing movie ever. That Tom and the studio are in talks for part three. Looks like Top Gun may fly again. You know, it's funny. I saw that, that it's now Paramount's number one top grossing film at all time, which I I, I did double check. Wait a minute. So it's more than any of the Transformers movies. So I'm going to have to go and double check that. But biggest film ever. Not surprised. The thing is huge and it keeps on flying. As a matter of fact, I think they just said it hit. It's now the third largest seventh week film in history only behind a couple of james cameron films wow uh, if i understand that right so it just keeps on going now look we have talked on the show a lot about the fact that yeah, yeah there's not going to be another top gun and really there shouldn't be another top gun as much as we enjoy the movie but when you look at it tom cruise had been insistent that this this is it this is kind of the swan song for maverick and uh all that kind of stuff and when you look at the movie itself too the movie itself is set up that this is the end of the pilots right they set that up that hey you know uh we don't need pilots anymore and tom cruise is like yeah maybe that's true but you do today right and it took 36 years <laughs> to get this movie made and tom has a mission impossible franchise that he's trying to get two films wrapped up and ready to go and all this kind of stuff. Cruz also just had his 60th birthday. Um, all that combined, they really should not, narratively too, I mean, that was Maverick Swan song. They should not do another one. But when those dump trucks filled with Spanish bullion back up onto your lawn and dump gold all over your doorstep, it changes plan. They're also, like they pointed out in the email, there was not going to be a Joker 2. Oops. Got nominated for Best Picture and made over a billion dollars that nobody saw coming. Suddenly, they're talking about Joker 2. Now, look, I still don't even think it sounds like there's going to be another Top Gun. But Miles Teller, who this is kind of his year, between Spiderhead, The Offer, Top Gun 2, has been pretty good. Miles Teller says, well, 
you know, him and Tom may have been talking about it. This comes to us from the folks over at IndieWire, where they write this. While many have, have assumed that another Top Gun movie is unlikely due to the nearly 40-year gap between the first two, star Miles Teller is trying his best to make it happen. Speaking to E.T. this week, the actor revealed that he has spoken to Tom Cruise about making Top Gun 3 and doesn't think the idea can be ruled out just yet. That would be great, but that's up to Tom Cruise, Teller says, referring to Tom Cruise. It's all up to Tom. I've been having some conversations with him about it. We'll see. And that, of course, comes to us from IndieWire. Now, look, as fans often do, I do this, you do this, you do this, you do, everybody does this. We have very selective hearing. We kind of hear what we want to hear. Because when people first started write to me about this, before I read the story myself, what was being written to me is, John, did you see that Tom Cruise is talking to, to Miles Teller about doing another Top Gun? Well, that's not really accurate. It's really more Miles Teller really wants to do another Top Gun, and he has reached out to Tom Cruise. And honestly, from Miles Teller's response, it doesn't sound all that likely, to be honest. He says, well, you know, I've, I've reached out, I've talked to him. It's all up to him. It's, it's, it depends on what he wants to do. Look, obviously, you cannot 100% rule out Top Gun 3 when Top Gun 2 is now the biggest hit in the history of the studio. You know, Warner Brothers instantly went back and they're doing Joker 2 now. Money talks. But Tom Cruise just got $100 million for that. Tom Cruise is not hurting for money in any way, shape, or form. And I think Tom Cruise is now looking at transitioning out of these types of movies and probably going to more Oscar kind of fare Mm -hmm. in the next part of his career. So I would say this. I think Miles Tellers is right when he says you can't completely rule it out yet. I'll give him that. But I still do not think there's going to be a Top Gun 3. I don't know why Tom Cruise, yeah, after the 36-year journey, just to get the next one, this one done. Plus, he's got other projects already lined up. I don't see him going back to do Top Gun when he's 63 or 64. And it doesn't sound like he's all that interested in it. So, impossible? Absolutely not. Likely? I don't think so. But, I mean, obviously, Miles Teller's interested to do it. Rob, you hear Teller's comments. What do you think? Are we going to get Top Gun 3? Well, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I think about the time that it took between getting Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick made. If that same amount of time happened again, Tom Cruise would be 96. <laughs> I would actually watch that more than if they did in the Talk to me, Goose! So I, I honestly think that this is the kind of movie where this is not just an easy sequel to make. I mean, the fact that this movie, part of its appeal is it relied heavily on actual planes, you know, actual F-18s and new cameras that were made and a storyline. This is not an easy sequel. It's not like a sequel to a lethal weapon. Right. You can just write a sequel and, and, and go shoot it. The logistics behind making something like this make it a very difficult proposition to equal the success. And while you might be able to come up with a story... The appeal of this of this particular movie is it showed you things you hadn't seen before. We'd never seen aerial photography like this before. We we had the nostalgia. We had all the. It was a perfect storm of things that I don't think you can recreate. And while I understand on on paper, it's like, well, we have to do Top Gun three. I just don't see it from a production standpoint that you could make a satisfying sequel to that movie. <laughs> and I, I honestly don't. And Tom Cruise is in the middle of making Mission Impossible seven. Dead Reckoning and Dead Reckoning Part 2. I mean, it's like, why don't you focus on those movies? I mean, they, they could do... if they're, That trailer for 
Dead Reckoning was dope. And if that could do that could be Tom Cruise's second billion dollar grossing movie coming off of I mean how stoked are they that they have this movie and they've got two more Tom Cruise movies in the pipeline for subsequent summers. Yeah. They're they're sitting pretty. I think the last thing they should do is think how can we recreate something that took 36 years to make in the first place? Yeah, Amy, you hear about this. First of all, I don't know if they even asked you, what did you think about Top Gun Maverick? And and do you think with what Miles Teller has said that is it plausible they could do a Top Gun 3? What do you think? I actually, I think I'm the last person who still needs to catch that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's been on my list for a second. But um, no, but I, I think all I will say is this is, I don't know if it would be easy for them to make a satisfying sequel, but right. with that kind of money, that doesn't mean they're not going to do it. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't know that they should. With that kind of money, though, are they going to try to crank something out? Are they going to try to figure something out? If you know, Teller is that on board? If the studio really wants to see that paycheck again, I, I don't know that it's a good idea. But I, I would be surprised if this was the last we heard of it. Now, look, I. I have been crowing about Top Gun Maverick for a year and a half since they showed us the first reel of it at CinemaCon a year and a half ago. And I really like this movie. Shakespeare does not. I mean, it's basically, you know what it is? It's actually it's, more like Star Wars. Yeah, it's, it's Star Wars. The whole movie is Star Wars preparing for the, the Death Star trench run. That, that's the whole movie. It's, okay, we got to get ready to fly this Death Star trench run. And then we gotta go and throw and you in Obi Wan Kenobi in it. Yeah, you you, know, you throw you, in a little a, a little Val Kilmer in there to tug on the old heartstrings. Who didn't get a little weepy eyed when Val Kilmer was on there? Of course we did. But with eight hundred hours of footage of them going, pull the stick and pull like, okay, and that made for an incredible viewing experience. We loved it. Yep. But what do you do with another one? A, another <laughs> Death Star trench run prep for an unnamed enemy, and you can't have Val Kilmer pop in there this time. Mm. Does Cruz go even younger this time? Does he, you know, go from Kelly McGinnis to Jennifer to Margot Robbie? Is Margot Robbie the next <laughs> love interest in Top Gun Three? I, I just don't know where they go with it. I, I will say, if you did it without Tom, because something. Oh, about, but can you do it without uh, Tom but, Cruise? But, but 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 hear me out. If they did, did decide to do it without Tom Cruise, there was a part of me during Maverick that said, I want to see more of what this young team can do. Like, I mean, I mean, put Cruise like at like whatever, the quarterback chair, the whole movie. Like in John Ham's role? Yeah, but I mean, it's just that, you know, if they're going to continue this franchise, you might as well go young. That's the same way I feel about a, I know this is not going to be the, I don't, with Black Panther, I think it should be a young Black Panther when they, they bring out that movie. Like, I think they should just, like, uh, reset. If they're going to do a, uh, uh, a movie like Top Gun or something, I, I always am down for resets. You know, I don't know. All right, I'll tell you what. I just put up a poll in the live chat because I, I am curious now that you've brought that up. I want to know, and I just put a poll up in the live chat for those of you guys watching live. The question is, would people be interested in Top Gun 3 without Tom Cruise? I don't know if they'd be interested, but again, I don't know if that would stop them if if they can get some of this team back on board. Mm -hmm. But does 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 anybody think that everybody would, no, rushed out to see this hurt. for it Miles Teller? Big time. Like, I, I don't think you even make a, a lot of money, but you got Miles Teller. I mean, sometimes you got to pass the torch. Listen, I think Miles Teller is one of the most underrated talents in Hollywood. I think he's magnificent, but I also know he's not a box office draw. And, and right. you know, in and of that, himself, right? That's the official title right there, right, John? 
Top Gun Mo Money. <laughs> I went through Did Paramount. You make that? I went through Paramount's website <laughs> and I was looking through it and then there was something called Top Gun Wells Mo Money. JPG and I was like, this is Top Gun 3's new name right there. Official. Right there, baby. By the way, we got about 800 votes already. And more people say yes than I thought. 40% say yes, they would be interested in a Top Gun 3 without Tom Cruise. 60, well, now it's 39%. 61% are saying no, they would not. That, Somewhere a studio exec just went, interesting. <laughs> even at 40%, that's almost $500 oh, man, million. Dollars. I mean, I, They're going to have to pay off that family, though, right? That owns the rights to it now. Because now we're well within... Oh, that's a so, whole new so ball yeah, of wax. You got to worry about that family. Oh, yeah, the, well, yeah, you're right. that, and also that's Tom nothing Cruise's, a check can't fix. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And then also Tom Cruise isn't getting that front loaded uh, profits check. Oh, yeah. Paramount ain't going to give him 10% first dollar gross <laughs> yeah, again. No, no, no chance. No. I can see all the headlines now. Flop gun. <laughs> anyway, guys, flop gun. Question is for you Top Gun, Mo Money. Do you think it's actually going to happen? Do you think people would have trusted? Maybe they do it without Tom Cruise, but does anybody want to see it if it doesn't have Tom Cruise? I don't know. Miles Teller says he'd like to do it, but do you think it's actually a possibility? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get on to main topic number four. Amy. What is our fourth main topic today? Our fourth topic today comes to us from Daniel W. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I just saw that Thor Love and Thunder opened with $143 million, which puts it more than $20 million ahead of Thor Ragnarok's opening weekend. So far, every single Thor movie has opened with a bigger box office than the previous installment. Why do you think it has this much success so consistently? And do you think Love and Thunder will pass Ragnarok's overall box office number of $850 million? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And you know, yesterday we did a open spoiler discussion of Thor Ragnarok. It was over three hours long. We still have more to go with this. But Thor Love and Thunder, now in theaters. And yeah, you read the headline right. It's the biggest opening for any Thor movie. Wow. Which is saying quite a bit. Yeah. Now, there's two parts to your question. Number one, what w let's put into context what this means. But then the second part of your question is, can it make as much overall as Thor Ragnarok? Now, those are two very different questions. But it's impressive. Let's jump over for a second into the Campia classroom here. Because just to put this all in context, take a look at this. Okay, so the first Thor movie made in its opening weekend, it made 65 million opening weekend, which which at the time that was a that was a pretty good opening weekend, right? 65 million, not bad. Okay, how does the franchise go from there? Well, then we had Dark World. Dark World, and we always talk about this a lot. The studios want to see trajectory in their franchises. There's, are the movies making about the same amount of money? Are they decreasing? Are they increasing? Well, they did Thor Dark World, which I think everybody agrees is one of their weaker films. But it made $85 million opening weekend. Now, a lot of that probably had some to do with the strength of the first film and how much people like the first film. But still, Thor Dark World makes $85 million. Well, then you jump ahead to Ragnarok. Ragnarok took another big jump and made $122 million opening weekend. So we see the trajectory, right? The trajectory is doing this. First movie, 65 million. Second movie, 85 million. Third movie, 122 million. I mean, we're all just celebrating Minions about how great Minions did. 
but minions didn't make as much as the previous one. So the trajectory is kind of flatline or decreasing. With Thor, we've seen this constant $20 million jump, $30 million jump, 40, like all this kind of stuff. Well, now we come to love and thunder. How did it do? Well, it beat them all with $143 million. Another like $21 million jump over the previous one. Ragnarok, which is probably the most celebrated and beloved of the, of the Thor movies mm -hmm. amongst a lot of general people. That is huge. Make no mistake about it. Now, there are some analysts who look at it and say, well, it didn't do quite as well compared to Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, look look at the history of the Thor films. Those The Thor films do not open to $200 million. That's not what the Thor films have ever done. The question is, how does it do in relative to its own franchise? And when you go from Thor at 65, Dark World to 85, Ragnarok 122, and now Thor Love and Thunder 144, that trajectory continues. There is no other way to spin this other than this is a huge success for Thor, Love, and Thunder, and Marvel. Yeah. Massive success. I saw a couple of people online trying to put, because they're Marvel haters, and they try to put as much of a negative spin on everything. Ah, oh, Thor 4, dot box office, disappoints. It's the biggest opening in the franchise's history. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? It, no, it does not disappoint unless you're a moron. It's, it's a great... <laughs> Great thing for it in terms of its own franchise and what it does. Okay, I'd, open so, door for, I'd open the door for it. Yeah, I would open the door for, Thor, open the door for Thor. For the franchise. Oh. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. That's one question. What do I think about it? It's incredibly impressive. Very impressive. Again, like Dark World making 85, I think that had something to do with how well-received the first Thor was. I think the 143 has something to do with how well-received Ragnarok was. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100%. But again... It just beat the previous record of the franchise by over $21 million. That's huge. It's a massive win. But there's a second question that the writer asked. Can we see Love and Thunder making as much as Thor Ragnarok did by the end of the day? And that question, not so easy. Because while it is plain as day to anybody with an ounce of common sense that the $143 million opening for Thor Love and Thunder is magnificent for Marvel, can it reach Thor Ragnarok numbers? I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. I personally feel that Thor Love and Thunder is the third best Thor movie. I, I personally, well, most people will say Ragnarok, and I respect that. I think Thor 1 is the second most underrated comic book film of all time, only behind the masterpiece Man of Steel. But I think Thor, the first Thor movie is the second most underrated comic book. I think Thor Ragnarok is absolutely bloody fantastic. Dark World, not so good. And, and I'll put Thor, Love and Thunder in there. I think Thor, Love and Thunder is my fifth favorite comic book thing of 2022 behind The Batman, The Boys Season 3, Peacemaker, Ms. Marvel, and then I would put Thor, Love and Thunder. I don't love Thor, Love and Thunder. There are things about it I love, but I don't love it. And when I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, when I saw it early, I said, this is all going to depend on how you feel about the silly humor. Because if you love, like the silly, if, if you're, if you can be really into faulty towers, this might be for you. But if the silly humor doesn't resonate with you, if you're that type of person that that kind of humor doesn't resonate, it will not be for you. And that's why I said I kind of figured that the audience rating on Thor: Love and Thunder was going to be somewhere between sixty-five and seventy-five percent, because it's going to have that division. It really leans a lot more into the sillier aspect. Now it has a higher fan 
rating than I thought it would. Like right now it's sitting at, I think, 81%, which is higher than I thought it would be. But still, this movie is not as universally loved as Thor Ragnarok. This movie has more, not more detractors than maybe Dark World, but this movie has more detractors to it than the first Thor movie, than Ragnarok and all that kind of stuff. I do not think there's going to be as many people going back for second viewings. I do not think there's going to be as many people coming out of the theater going, oh my God, you got to go see this, like they did with Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Um, So I enjoy the movie. I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's funny, but I don't see, and I hope I'm wrong because I want every movie to succeed. I hope I'm wrong, but I do not see, even though it has this big opening, I do not think it's going to have the legs that Ragnarok does. So no, I do. I think it's going to do well for Marvel. I mean, it's already cleared well over $300 million for him. It's going to do well for them, but big, big, massive hit Ragnarok numbers. No, I, I, I don't see that happening just because of the nature of the film, to be honest with you. Anyway, Amy, you see this opening weekend numbers. How does that hit you? And then ultimately, do you think it could catch Ragnarok at the box office? You know, I just think it's so funny because we've spent a lot, a lot of time, you know, in my my week, uh, week and a day here talking about, you know, what's 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 going wrong with phase four? Why are people not as excited? But people are going to see these movies. It's kind of just a train that cannot be stopped at this point. Like, I, I'm genuinely curious. And I, and I liked Thor Love and Thunder. This is not me trying to, you know, detract from that being a good movie, maybe not a great movie, but a good movie. I'm genuinely getting curious of like, is there going to be that misstep theatrically where people just don't go in phase four now? Because clearly this is just sort of Marvel have its light year. Yeah. Yeah. Will they have their misstep that that people really just go, I'm not even bothering. There's clearly just a a huge built in fan base now for these movies that if, if they don't shit the bed completely, people are going as far as if it could overtake Ragnarok. I think maybe. I think Mm. there's a funny thing with this movie where people might not be enthusiastic about it. And I could be totally off base here. But everyone I've talked to about and everybody who's asked me about it, there's sort of a consensus of like, I liked it. I didn't love it. It's worth going to make your own opinion. I know a lot of people where even if they're not diehard Marvel fans, they've heard enough sort of it's good that they're curious. And, And I do think absolutely in the same way Dark World rode sort of the love of the last one. I think enough people loved Ragnarok and maybe even caught that, you know, on Disney Plus or on TV and like love that movie and love what Taika Waititi is doing with this franchise. I think enough people might might have enough of the curiosity of like, eh, people are liking it. I'll check it out. And, and again, that on top of just the summer that movies are having right now being pretty good and people being excited to get back into theaters. And not a lot coming out. Exactly. In the incoming other than Nope. Rob, against my point, I'm saying it can't catch Ragnarok, but against my point, Ragnarok made $853 million. Four after three days has already made over three hundred. Now, I don't see it having the same replayability, but two, point, two questions for you. Number one, $143 million opening weekend. What does that say to you? And do you think it could catch Ragnarok? Well, first of all, who doesn't love these Thor movies? You know, this is one of these franchises where you... You you say the word Thor, you think of Hemsworth as Thor. It puts a smile in your mind. Mm-hmm. You're smiling already. It's like I love this. This is mm-hmm. what's what's not to love. How many things are universally loved? You know, Thor's and Hemsworth universally loved in this role. Now, we talk to you know in our movie pundit circles, we're v- very critical. But like you know, I talk to my sister. She's not a 
what, what does she care? When she goes to the movie, she's like, oh, that was really fun. She's not thinking about the MCU's, the larger ramifications about what's going on. Her and her kids go and they have a good time. I think that's how most we forget that that's most of the movie going audience. You know, they're not puzzling over all of the intricacies. <laughs> and before the, the show started, I told you, we, we got a text just before the show started today. Cody Miller, our co-host on uh, Best Movie, Worst Movie, texted me earlier this morning. Just simple one-line text. Thor Love and Thunder. 100% best Thor movie ever. And that's wow. why he had the gold medal. And that's yeah. why Cody and has so an Olympic the gold medal. That's yes. the thing. So for this movie, like for me, you know, this movie didn't work as well for me as, as Ragnarok. Did. Me either. And, and, yeah. yeah, and I the this I think it leaned too far into the silliness, but for the most part, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more I'm looking for different things. Can this movie catch Ragnarok? Look, I think the love for the Marvel Cinematic Universe has even expanded bigger than it was when Ragnarok came out. Yeah. I didn't expect Doctor Strange to make over nine hundred million dollars. And you know, remember, John, as and the people watching. If you or your movie gets close to a billion dollars, you've done something right. There's no such thing as a Marvel movie disappointing if it only made $950 million. I mean, these are these movies are doing monstrous, consistent business. This was the 29th Marvel Cinematic Universe film. 29. And it opens to $143 million. Doctor Strange made over between nine hundred million and a billion at, at at number twenty-eight. I'm sure Wakanda Forever is gonna make a billion dollars. This franchise is is it's the closest thing to Teflon that exists. <laughs> and I think that if I think this could actually at least equal or exceed Ragnarok, only because the general population It's already more than a third of the way there. Yeah, and the general population of, of moviegoers is having fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. They're laughing. They walk out two hours later, and they're like, that was fun. And that's what they're looking for, and they're getting it. Guys, question is for you. Thor Love and Thunder is, by over $21 million, the biggest opening in the franchise history. Great. But will it have legs? Can it catch a Thor Ragnarok? Maybe yes, maybe no. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're now going to open up the Super Chats. If you have a thought, opinion, comment, question, theory that you would like to send in, we're going to open up the Super Chats now, and you can start firing those in. Remember, we only leave it open for a few minutes because they fill up fast, so get them in fairly quick. But before we get to those, we want to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's show, making me hungry just thinking about it, our friends at HelloFresh. We want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, HelloFresh. Now, guys, you've heard us talk about HelloFresh before. Anne and I absolutely love using them. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. You can bust out the grill on a nice warm summer evening and make dinner from HelloFresh's cookout collection with recipes like Melty Monterey Jack burgers, and others. HelloFresh has foolproof step-by-step recipes, which means a joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. Plus, HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen with easy, ready-made meals in around 30 minutes or less. You know, Ann and I are both working professionals, so coming together for dinner time can sometimes be a little bit of a circus, but we love using HelloFresh. We get the exact meal we want, we get easy-to-follow instructions to make it together, and we actually look forward to making dinner together. 
So guys, go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and up to three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia16. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And a big thanks to our friends at I Ann and I love HelloFresh. Don't forget, guys, our sponsors and the promo codes down in the description of this video. Go and check them out because when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting our show. All right, guys. With that down, let's now get into some live questions being sent. And we're going to start off with our channel members who've been sending in some stuff. So, Ray, what do we got? Yeah, we got a bunch. Of, so, Matt G says, I disagree with people who call for ID to have a social media account. What happens if you can't afford ID? Are we saying if you're poor, you can't have a social media account? Everybody has ID. You don't have to buy ID. Uh, so, uh, I mean, everything from, like, if you're in grade school, you even have a student card. So, yeah, so no, like, it, it, I don't know what you mean by that, affording ID. Poor, poor people have ID. So, I'm, I'm not really sure what we mean by that. All right, what's okay. next? Mike's Movie Madness says, hey, John and crew, for me, I need to wait to see the hype on Nope before I see it. Even though I like Get Out and Us, the trailers haven't done it for me. Only Ray's seal of approval will come. <laughs> That's it. The world is going to wait to hear what Ray has to say about Nope. So we got to make sure we get you there on opening night, Ray, to see it. Because the world needs answers. Yeah, world. All right, what's next? Okay. Tumbling Turdnado says, hey, guys, seen the Netflix Day Shift trailer? Oh, Looks good. Calling it now a trilogy. Night Shift deals with werewolves and Graveyard Shift deals with zombie is this a jamie fox yeah dude, okay the new trailer dropped today great but i will have no faith in it until i see it because you know why he did that one with joseph gordon levitt with the superpowers and that looked great and everything and that movie sucked so jamie fox with netflix originals i'm gonna i'm not gonna get excited from it from a trailer i'm gonna have to see the movie to the know trailer is really good <laughs> i believe it but so was the trailer for the one he did with joseph gordon levitt well, we'll see all right what's next edwin marson says Recovering from heart surgery, so I haven't been watching live lately. To me, fandom has become overtly negative recently. Have you felt this too? I'm loving majority of content, just subject subjective though. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been talking about it for years. Like the, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have started bringing also their politics into into fandom and into discussion, which has gotten very toxic and whatever. And, and listen, this has been going on for a number of years, and it's not going to be. Um, easy to get rid of it. I, I mean, it just is. Look, hate attracts people. Yeah. There's a reason why a lot of people just do a lot of hate videos because hate videos are, it's like it's like Yoda said in uh, in Stars about the dark side of the force. It's easier. More it's more. It's more seductive. Mm -hmm. It's it's simple. It's easy. Yeah. Like like seriously. Like I here's a great example of that. You guys all know I'm a big MCU fan, right? Last week we did a topic about. As an MCU fan, what are the five biggest problems with the MCU right now? Mm -hmm. Guess what our biggest viewed video of that week was? It was that one. Mm -hmm. So I could totally see it. A lot of people be tempted. Like, ooh, all right. Well, now I'm going to do a video about the eight worst things about Thor, Love and Thunder. Then I'm going to do a video about the 17 worst things about that and why I hate that. And it's easy. It's easy to do that. And so, and then as, as viewers and commenters, it becomes easy. Want to get attention for my comment? Blah, blah, blah is a bitch and blah, 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 blah. If you want to get it because trolls, I mean, their air and water is attention. So they're they're dying for attention and they get the most attention when they write the most vulgar thing that they can. That's when they get their most attention. So it's a it's a problem. We've seen times when it's gotten a little bit better 
and hopefully can continue to do that. But we'll see. Anyway, okay. what's next? Saud Ul Hassan says, do you think we get any surprise announcements or trailers at San Diego Comic-Con next weekend for DC films or the MCU? If so, what do you think they announce? I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't hear any announce. I don't partic- per, uh, at least for Marvel, I don't foresee any announcements. I hear promoting existing projects we know about, so maybe some trailers or teasers or whatever, you know, bringing some cast out on stage. But but no, I don't. I, I think they're going to save announcements for D twenty three. With um, I still think there's a forty percent chance Henry Cavill comes out on stage with Dwayne the Rock Johnson for Black Adam. That'd be awesome. I, I'm saying forty percent, which is unlikely, but uh, I, I could see DC doing more announcements because they don't. Yeah. Have and God, they should absolutely abandon their DC fandom thing after the train wreck last year's one was, which is too bad because the first one was really good. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. All right, what's next? I, well, for me, with that, I the only thing I think that Marvel will come out with maybe hopefully some footage for the new Wolverine game that they announced, and maybe they show a couple. That's, ep- this is Marvel Pictures. They're not video oh, games. They're not going to talk oh, about that well, at what all. What about? Uh, do you think they'll show a couple episodes of Harley Quinn season three? I believe they already said they are going to show the first. Oh, okay, I okay. believe they said they are going to show okay. the first episode there for that. I think so. Corey Hensley says, return to John Campia's show after 1.5 weeks in Paris. Initially, I said to myself, there's something different about Chris today. Her hair? <laughs> LOL. Welcome, Amy. Yeah, of course, as Chris has mentioned on her Twitter and on social media, Chris got hit with COVID and uh, she's still recovering from it. So we look forward to having her back. But we've been so lucky to have Amy here. She's been great. All right. What's okay, next? White Hawk says, I'm interested in seeing this new Captain America movie, but a person but a person is going to wa- have to watch a Disney Plus show in order to get the full story, which has me worried. Does someone have to watch the? Well, I mean, mm. I can't answer the question until I see Captain America 4. Because if they do Captain America 4, which very quickly in a 30-second way kind of sums up what the events of, you know, all it takes is one conversation with, with Sam and somebody else to say, you know, when this happened, I did this and I had to struggle and I decide what would be this, this or this. And I decided this. There you go. <laughs> you just got Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? It all depends on how they handle it. I certainly hope they handle it in such a way that it doesn't become a prerequisite that you have to go back and watch that show in order to watch a movie. That would be very bad for Marvel. All right, what's next? Okay. Nariman, Nariman says, unpopular take, but I'm vibing with MCU Phase 4. I'm del- I love delving into the spiritual and mystical. It's not perfect, but to be honest, I like it more than Phase 1 and 2. Well, hey, th- that's the beautiful thing about these stories, man. All these stories hit us in different, unique ways. And if this one is really working for you, that's awesome. And listen, Rob was pointing out, the money these movies are making are still really good. People are going and watching and enjoying. Hell, even Thor Love and Thunder has an 81% audience rating. I mean, so you're not alone. I mean, I'm not. it's not working for me nearly as much as the previous phases, but it is for you, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. All right, what's next? Ladislav. Miss Missinik says Top Gun Bob. That's it. That's it. That's that's your not more <laughs> money. Just call the next one Top Gun Bob and you got yourself a hit. All right, what's next? Aaron Aaron Epstein says, Hey John and crew, happy Monday. I realized that there were supposed to be two DC movies releasing this summer. I think that's why it feels so empty. You know what? That's a very, very good point. Yeah. DC did their whole uh yeah, roulette release. release date. Thing again they moved a bunch of movies out that's actually a really really good point well observed man all right what's next that's it that's all right all i got from with that down let's get over the super chats you guys have been sending in amy what do we have 
the Richard sent in a $2 super chat. Thank you, Richard. And then DGMC said, hello, to finish my essay super chat from Friday related to the Metal Gear Solid movie script rewrites due to budget, according to the director. Here we go. You know what? No, just go go back. We're, we <laughs> we do we don't have we don't have time to start searching around for all five. So we'll just address them as we go. We'll keep our eyes over that DG. All right, what's next? Perfect. Al Rencha said Ray should call upon the Army of Ray to see no. <laughs> I have seen a number of Army of Ray hashtags going around lately. Yeah, is that a new thing? I think it's a new thing. When does think- the merch drop? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. got to be merch for the oh, army of Ray. Because I was playing a video game. Camp? <laughs> yep. I, I don't know. That's a good thing. All right, what's next? Uh, David XP. With, wow, like whoa. a $72. Thank you, David XP, for supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. Thank you, dude. Uh, Dave says, as a VFX artist myself, I worked on two TV shows in a small studio in Costa Rica. Since we were hired secretly by the main VFX company in Canada to help them meet their deadlines, neither my name or our company's name were allowed to appear in the credits you know we were lucky when with the company i was at we were called satellite animation studios and we always did get credit Uh, let me rephrase that i don't think our company name got in the credits but the people who worked on it got in the credits at least the times that we did but i've heard about that too that that a lot of times they're not supposed to sub out the work Mm -hmm. subcontracted out so when they do you got to sign an nda Say our company didn't work. You can never say that your company worked on this big project. And it's unfortunate, but it's up to you to say yes wow. or no to it. It's, it kind of sucks. All right. What? Well, thank. By the way, you're right. And thank you for being a visual effects artist. Thank you for being one of those magicians who helped bring these movies to life and giving us these great imageries, images on screen. We thank you for that and helping us as entertainment fans just to be fans. Thanks again, man. All right, what's next? Uh, Ryan Lohner said, another great James Caan film that could use more attention and will make any man cry, Brian's song. We were talking about Brian's song. Yeah, we were. Last week about that. Based on... uh, Starring Billy D. Williams as well. As well, that's a sad one. That's Directed a sad by one. Buzz Kulik. That's why I like going more to The Godfather or Misery or something like that. Yeah, it's, I but, mean, but, yeah, that, that's based on the, the true story of Brian Piccolo. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's a kill. That's a tragic, tragic tale. That's a good one to bring up, man. All right, what's next? Uh, South Texas Shark said, Amy, how do you feel about cats in general? It's like because Chris loves cats so much. Well, probably. no, because everybody knows I think cats are useless. Oh, okay. It's like cockroaches. Like you see cockroaches, you really <laughs> oh should be God. looking at getting a, a you know an exterminator or something to come in and take care of that problem for you. But yes, <laughs> not a cat guy. I like cats. <laughs> I'm pro cat. Lower lower lowercase c cats, big fan. Uppercase c cats, hell no. I I actually grew up with cats my whole life. Like I I grew up with always having a pet. And, and I, you were just like. No, Hug I, you the entire time. I always <laughs> liked my cats. I did. My first cat was Luke Skywalker. Our second cat was Mimi. Our third cat was Sarah. They all lived very, very what long happened? lives. What happened to those cats or to me? To you. What's realized, your villain origin story? I just realized cats are assholes, but these cats were my assholes, so it's fine. Sure. But it's kind of like a cousin you don't like talking about. But yeah, but I just realized, yeah, all other cats are just assholes. I just don't like cats. I think you dogs are way better. The last, that last, the last cat, John, because when I was staying at your house, um, the first time I went to Canada, Sarah was still yeah. there. Yeah, there's nothing more frightening than having to sleep on a floor bed and looking at the crack of the door and hearing these sounds, and then all of a sudden seeing a claw just come through, like half the arm trying to get. Yeah. get I, I'll, I'll say this: Sarah did I, not like closed doors in in my mm, parents' house. So she, whenever she saw a closed door, she tried to reach under and open the door. That is slightly terrifying. I will say, I like cats a lot. Big fan of like a cute kitten. 
I feel like dogs, I assume I will love cats. Some are assholes. So I got to get to know them before I can make like a firm decision. All right. What's next? Uh, Suthius said Cruz and Smith in Top Gun 3, Independence Day. Uh, well, you want to print a billion dollars? <laughs> there you go. There right there. That'll work. All right. What's next? Uh, Attack of the Mushi said, I'm seeing the Transformers 15th anniversary. Thor again in Dolby and Pause of Fury this week. What about you guys? I'll tell you what. I, despite what everybody says and the fact that I hate almost all the other Transformers stuff, the first Michael Bay Transformers movie, I will always stand by that movie. Hmm. I mean, I... As a kid who grew up with Transformers and had them plastered on my walls and all that kind of stuff, that first time when Optimus comes rolling through the mist out of that alley and that big signature Michael Bay circular surrounding shot as Optimus slowly transforms and you hear that iconic 80s cartoon sound I'm like a, I was like a grown man in tears I'm like in reality in reality he would have gotten blown up if he took that long to transform See how long it took yeah, but it wasn't in the middle of the fight, but it was a very long transformation. It absolutely was. I, I love that first movie. I really do. All right, what's next? Josh Becker said, uh, Boz Lerman said Elvis will play in theaters until the fall. No 45-day window for it? Uh, <laughs> Boz Lerman can say that all he wants. It's not his decision. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. And it's not doing great business. Nobody expected an Elvis biopic to do great business. But I mean, I I don't know. That, I mean, again, that's great for Bos Lerman to say, but it's not his call. So no. we'll see what they actually do with that. All right, what's next? Andy said, I just got a fat raise today after getting another fat one two and a half months ago. Nice. John, I'm getting closer to making you watch four episodes of Riverdale for $3,000. I'll tell you what, you, you send that in, I'm there. I will sit down. You even get to pick the four episodes you want me to watch. I will... Do that. Man, <laughs> that sounds like Ray He's getting raises every two months. Doing that. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Anubis Genocide said, saw Thor over the weekend and found it very enjoyable and entertaining, though I think I liked Ragnarok more. Uh, is there just a part two? It might be easier. To, it's okay if we if there's a part two, we can try to find that without trying to find five parts. Uh, <laughs> still not seeing it. Not seeing it? Okay. Oh, here. Okay, there we go. Uh, also, I was the only one in my theater to burst out laughing at Korg's God sitting on Scissor Throne, all of the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones. You know what? Somebody, you know what? I can't comment because I don't want to give it away. <laughs> there, there's something else about that scene that somebody pointed out to me on the spoiler discussion. We obviously can't talk about it. But yeah, that, that was pretty cool. All right. What's next? We've got... Uh, this is two in the part Oh, this is Andy to, uh, getting you to watch Riverdale just okay, recently. Yes. For three grand. Oh, boy. Just recently, the sorcerer mayor literally killed half of Riverdale's people. And in the most recent episode, Cheryl, uh, pyrokinetic, actually has Phoenix powers and uses them to bring her friends and family back with help from Sabrina Spellman. I'm going to make you watch Revengers Infinity War. Rem I, like I said, I read the comics and I remember it being like, is Archie going to take Betty or Veronica to get a milkshake? Like, what is happening? Yeah. How many hamburgers does Jughead right. think he can eat? That's getting <laughs> silly. Yeah. Um, that just sounds so ridiculous. This is my favorite show that I've never watched. This is yeah, my favorite yeah. show this I've ever watched. This sounds like the coolest show ever. I think we do the updates I get on this channel. I, that's all I need. I, mean, I, I feel know, like I, I have watch watched it? it right there. Like just, just hearing this, I feel like I've watched it. All right, what's next? Uh, Matt Sanders said, Hey, John, took my parents to Elvis and my dad cried during the ending. Aww. My dad does Elvis like you did uh, like you did you too. I liked it more a second time. I was used to the fast editing. Again, I like the film. 
film. I, do, I love I, it. <laughs> I just feel like it was a little too long. It stretched out a little bit further than it needed to. But I'll tell you what, it's it's a Baz Luhrmann film. Right. I am a Baz Luhrmann fan. Moulin Rouge is a top 20 favorite film of mine of all time. And this is, and again, the performances in it, Tom Hanks is going to get an Oscar nomination. Austin Butler, absolutely, I think will get an Oscar nomination. It's just, uh, it's it's really good. I, I, again, I just wish it was a little bit shorter. And I love Baz Luhrmann because it's like walking out of that theater, there were people in my group who were like, I hated that. And it's like, yeah, that's fair. Like he goes big enough on something yeah. that it's like, I love it. If you didn't, I totally understand it. But God, I will take that over everybody walking out going, that's good. All right. Yep. So I, this is in one of the advanced trailers they show, but one of my favorite moments before he takes the stage and the cops tell him, if you do so much as wiggle a finger, yep. we're going to shut you down. He gets up on stage and looks out at the crowd and he stares at the police at the back of the crowd and goes, and I'm like, oh shit, this is awesome. <laughs> this is so good. All right, what's next? Uh, seconds from Disaster said, what's up, baby cakes? What's up, baby cakes? <laughs> Today is my 37th birthday. And Happy birthday. Hey. Hell yeah. And I'm currently on a paddleboard in the middle of a lake listening to the show. I saw <laughs> Thor Friday night. Uh, do we I couldn't find it. Okay. Oh, unfortunately. Well, enjoy that lake. Enjoy. I mean, first of all, how great is the world we live in that you can be paddle boarding in the middle of the lake and on the internet watching a live stream show? <laughs> this is why we live in wondrous times. We live John. in wondrous times. Celebrating his birthday, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what a day. celebrating your birthday. I mean, that is a bonafide. So, again, happy birthday to you, man. May yep. you have a great day and a great year ahead of yourself, dude. All right, what's next? Uh, Sin Vendetta said, Hey, John, I know you have an issue with Bob Chapek taking power away from creatives and giving it to more business minded like ex executives. It's just right up here. There it is. Uh, but do you think it had anything to do with the fact that the pandemic was destroying their business and he was forced into making more financial based decisions? Thoughts? No, because if you need to make some more financial based decisions when nothing is being produced, then you just make those decisions. You do not change the entire creative process structure that your predecessor, who is in every way you're better than Bob Iger, had set up with tremendous success and money for the company and go, ah, but this thing, JPEG's a business guy. He doesn't have a creative bone in his body. So he values other people who are just business people. He goes, what's that fucking guy who got a liberal arts degree? No, 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 no. Don't let him make the decision on that. I'll give it to my uh, my lackey here who's been a faithful business guy to me for 15 years. You get to make the decisions. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I said when he did it, I said, this is not something we are fundamentally going to feel the effects of in a year or two years or whatever. It's going to take, there's a trickle down effect that has to happen. We're going to feel the effects of it three years, four years, five years into it. And I would argue that we've already started feeling some of it with the decisions they've made with their Disney Plus shows and things mm -hmm. like that. We are already seeing decisions that Kevin Feige didn't get to make because now Kevin Feige doesn't get all the power at Marvel like he used to under Bob Iger. So, yeah, it's it's problematic. But no, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. All right, what's next? I never thought I'd miss Michael Eisner this goddamn much. <laughs> uh, James Argenta said, with the possible hint of Inhumans in episode five of Ms. Marvel, do you think Ms. Marvel will be Inhuman and possible team up with her sidekick Lockjaw in season two? I still don't. But remember, Rob, I pointed this out. I said, hey, look, I don't think they're going Inhumans at all. But I said, that looks kind of like Terragenesis. Yeah, I mean, so look, we're just going to have to see what they're going to do with the finale. I don't think that's what they're doing. Much like I did not, just like in WandaVision, I said that is not actually Quicksilver. Nobody believed me. 
but I, I, I don't think they're going to make it inhuman. But even I have to say, there were breadcrumbs there. So I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Do you think she's going to end up being inhuman? No. Hmm. But I'm not convinced of this. Normally, I, when I say I'm not 100% I'm convinced. convinced either. Yeah, not after last like, week. Look, Black Bolt, Anson Mount showed up multiverse of madness. So uh, anything to do with the Inhumans is on the table as far as I'm concerned. I might say no, but Black Bolt blew his own brains out. And I'm just <laughs> like, I never thought I'd see that ever. If uh, You know what? If I had to put $1,000 on that, I would have said, I'm going to win. Black Bolt's not going to be in multiverse of madness. I would have been shocked to have lost that money. I mean, I would have too. But I mean, at the same time, he was a founding member of the Illuminati. Sure. And that clearly wasn't the same Black Bolt that they had in the Inhumans TV No, but show. they cast it. I couldn't believe it. I yeah, mean, they got was... Ansem out, which is great. And Ansem out's hot right now. Uh, so anyway, yeah. All right. What's next? Dan's production said Julia Sona directed Loose, which had good reviews. It didn't just have good reviews. It was a good movie. Mm. And and it, it dealt with characters really well, telling a... a Lower budget, simply told, but really well told little movie with a terrific cast and all that kind of stuff. Now, that's great. That's why I'm not panicking about this, because Luce is there. But Cloverfield Paradox is also there. <laughs> you can't ignore either of them. So let's see. We're, we'll get a sense once Captain America comes out, which one is really more who he is. And, and we'll go from there. All right. What's next? Uh, Andy said, I'm surprised that The Flash hasn't announced that the next season will be their final one. Will they announce it at San Diego Comic-Con or will the show still go on? <laughs> um, I I don't know if they have to. Even if next season is their final season, I don't see why they have to announce it. Yeah. You don't have to announce it till the, the last episode, really. There's no obligation to yeah. tell I'm So I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm Honestly, why would you, even if you really think you're going to make the last next season last season, why put yourself into a corner? Be like such a weird Comic Con announcement too. I feel yeah. like like this is the last season. Yeah, like our last panel. Yeah, yeah you're Thanks. right. It doesn't panel. seem like something you talk about. Like weird low energy. Like oh okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, I just want to say my house is going to foreclosure. Everybody. Yeah. I, do we? What's the move here? All right. What's next? Uh, uh, Nash Sanadiki said, "Spider-Man on Disney Plus. How Sony going soft? Well, you know, Sony will. Sony's a business. Mm -hmm. You make them the right offer, they will put their content on your streaming service, even if it's Spider-Man. So they obviously got the right deal to do it. There you go. All right. What's next? Uh, a little more from uh, DGMC. Oh, right, right, from the first one. Okay. With the stigma of video game movies, and since Metal Gear Solid isn't a safe bet IP like Spider-Man, I think Sony is in comfortable spending tons. All right, we'll just have to see if we come back, come around to the rest. <laughs> Guys, hey, let, let's get the camera on me here for a second. Uh, we have we have mentioned many times, it is kind of folly to try to send in a big multi-part question um, because you never know if you're going to be able to even finish it. And number two, we don't want to spend a lot of time having to hunt around for the different parts. So try in the future, if you can, to lim at most try to limit it to two parts and have them ready to go right away. Okay, let's keep going. What's next? Uh, Mans said, I found the Kenobi fan cut by Kai Patterson was much better than the series. He used a lot of clever tricks to really improve the story. It was, no, I'm not going to say it suddenly became like Rogue One good, but it was infinitely better. Mm. Infinitely better. Rob, I was talking about, you weren't here that day, but even just the little choice, did you notice like in the final fight with Vader, when he decides to, to let him live, just as he's getting ready, he could kill him. And he just hears Qui-Gon's voice in his head saying, he is the chosen one. He will bring balance to the force. You're like, 
All of a sudden now we have a reason why Obi-Wan turned around and walked away. And it showed us how much faith he had in his former master and all that kind of, the very fact that they changed the order from you meet the rogue Jedi in the cantina, he gets away, then he meets Obi-Wan in the desert, then he gets caught again and hung. They just move the order around saying, first he meets Obi-Wan in the desert, then he gets caught in the cantina and killed right there on the spot. I went crazy about how great I thought this cut was. It was beautifully done. And then Cal wrote to me, uh, he, he wrote to me on Instagram. I'll show it to you it's with a clip of me talking about it and just thanking us for talking about his cut because it is really great that just kind of shows this should have been a movie. It should have been yeah, a yeah. movie. I, look, I felt the same way. We we actually didn't talk about it. I was texting you, I think. Yeah, you, you texted And me. I uh, I thought it was great. You know, and, and I've seen a lot of, sometimes fan cuts can can be that way. I mean, and this was normally really, they're not good. The, no, but there, I've seen a few that are. This one was, this one is really good. It's really and good. And he cut like 45 minutes out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the, the big one, which I know would make you happy that when flea shows up to kidnap Leia, he's just, I'm here for you princess. And then the bag goes over her head. Boom. That's it. That was it. Yeah. Instead of the big chase through the woods, stuff like that. It's just, it's little things like that. That just made it tighter flow better. I mean, it was, it's just, uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, go look it up. See if you can find a way. I think you got pulled down off of everywhere. I think I heard Pornhub put it up on their site. So, hey, at least, you know, there's one place you can go and watch it. I no, suppose. It's still around. You can still get it. Yeah, at go watch it good this morning. All right. What's next? Uh, Joseph Michael said, not sure about Wakanda forever. How do you put out a sequel to Black Panther without Black Panther? Uh, again, this is why I expressed when we, were, when we were talking about my most anticipated things coming out from Marvel for the rest of phase four. I have Black Panther ranked rather low because number one, your lead character is no longer there. And number two, your lead actor is no longer there. It's it's like trying to get excited about Top Gun 3 without Tom Cruise. Uh, it's it's just... Now, that's not to say that I don't have faith in Ryan Coogler because I do. And this could be the best MCU movie ever because it could. I'm just saying I am gonna, it's going to be very challenging for me to get a lot of excitement for it until i see it that, that's mm. all i'm saying because you're right it's, it's difficult all right what's next uh harv's k said zeus to bob chapek and adam aaron that's it you've been uninvited from the orgy you are uninvited <laughs> to the orgy uh russell i don't care what anybody says russell crowe in that movie is fucking awesome he's so good in that movie and yes bob chapek you are not invited to the orgy all right what's next uh uh, Guillaume LaBelle said, glad to see best movie, worst movie back. Love this show. Oh, yeah. For you guys missed it. We launched our first episode back. The, what we are calling season three of best movie, worst mm. movie uh, with me, Rob, and of course, Olympic gold medalist Cody Miller. We did our best and worst movies of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Cody will not be on the next episode because he has a, he's going to be at an international competition. But uh, you, it's me, our excuses. friend Cliff Stevens is going to be joining us. Uh, a producer, Cliff Stevens, is going to be joining us for the next one as well. So keep your eyes open for that on Thursday. All right, what's next? Uh, Stella McShave said, Man versus B is the Quibi movie that's not on Quibi. I mean, look, <sighs> I want... I love Rowan Atkinson. And I saw that trial, like, this looks great. But once I heard it was a series, I'm like, oh, that's going to get tired really fast. So I, apparently I they're like 12-minute episodes. Oh, are they? Yeah. So it's really short. Yeah, All right. they are. They could have been Quibbies. <laughs> so you're right. They absolutely could have been Quibbies. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Jim one is that the new? This could have been an email. This could have been a quibby. Uh, <laughs> Jim one said Ragnarok cost 180 mil. Love and Thunder cost 250 mil. It needs to make 650 million to break even, and much more than that to have the same profit as Ragnarok. Uh, by the way, I got an email that said because I think Deadline might have been the first place to report the 250 million dollar budget, so everybody else has ran with that. I got an email that says that's not quite accurate. I got told that the actual production budget is still astronomically high, but I, I got I got told the production budget was actually closer to two ten, mm. still astrono- astronomically high. I don't think at with a hundred million dollar buy ad buy with a two hundred fifty million dollar budget, this three hundred fifty million dollars. I don't think six fifty is what it has to get. I think even at that, I think it has to get around five seventy five or six hundred million to break even, which is still astronomical. It's still astronomical. So we're not quite asking about can it be as profitable as Thor Ragnarok? Can it get as many people to the theaters Thor Ragnarok did? And that's a separate question. All right, what's next? Uh, DGMC on a Metal Gear film. Sony's Uncharted budget was 120 million, which I assume dumped Metal Gear scripts uh, would cost more than to shoot and made. Well, All right, we'll just have to keep TBD. going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ulatan said, I loved Love and Thunder. It's frustrating seeing people of the lowest common denominator who didn't like it try to make me feel wrong for liking it. Well, I mean, look, again, any movie is going to work for some people and not work for others. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly yeah. fine. There are movies a lot of people like that I don't like and vice versa. That's all great. What sucks and where you become a living cancer tissue is when you try to get other people to not like what you don't like. Yeah. Like, yeah, look, uh, what's, what's the movie? Look, we'll just talk Hawkeye, okay? I don't like Hawkeye. I didn't think it was very good. But if you come to me and tell me that you liked Hawkeye, I'm not going to then make it my mission to change your mind. I'm not going to try to take your joy away. I'm not going to go, well, how can you say you like it when it like, you're just a fucking idiot at that point. Well, I'll just say, well, hey, I'm glad you liked it. Didn't work for me. And it didn't work for me personally because of this, this, and this. But that's why it didn't work for me. But I'm glad you liked it. Like, it, it's it's frustrating to me when I see these fucking knuckle draggers online. They decide they don't like something. And now it is their mission to try to get other people to not like it, too. It's go fuck yourself. I hate that. And talking about, you know, negativity and fandom. I hate that mentality of, like, I'm smarter because I didn't like it. That drives me up a wall when people try to talk to me like... You're stupid for enjoying this. I I saw all the flaws in it that you couldn't understand. <laughs> isn't it funny? Isn't it funny to that point that people are smarter than you if they see the negative, but you're not smarter than them if you see the positive? Right. Yeah. You know what? I always admit to people, hey, you're probably smarter than me. So that just stops it right already. <laughs> <laughs> Stop yelling at me about this movie. You're smart. You did it. But I mean, like, look, like again, everybody knows I hate the Star Wars prequels. I hate them. But whenever somebody comes to me and says, hey, man, like I grew up in those. I really like those movies. I'm like, awesome. Didn't work for me, but I love that you love them. Whatever got you on the Star Wars train, that's good by me. Right. And just move on. I don't lie and start saying that I like something if I don't. But I don't make it my mission to try to bludgeon you over the head to make you not like something if you don't. Except for cats. I'll get you on cats. But other than that. The animal or the movie? Because I agree with one. <laughs> no. All right. What's next? Caden uh, uh, said, uh, Love and Thunder was just too silly for me. He called it. Hope uh, BP2 is better. Phase 4 has been very hit or miss. Yeah. Listen, the very first thing I said when I saw this movie a couple weeks ago, I warned all of you. I said, your particular sense of humor and what works for you as far as silly humor goes is really going to determine if this works for you or not. And I knew it wasn't going to be for everybody. And if it doesn't hit you the right way, 
It doesn't hit you the right way. And and that's fine. For some people, it will. For some people, it won't. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear your reaction to that. And that's unfortunate. Here's hoping that the next movie works better for you. All right, what's next? Uh, Jermaine King says, I have a serious question for RMB. When I say, who's the master, you say? No idea. Are you talking Doctor Who? No, it's not probably... The last dragon. I feel like there was an inflection oh, I missed there. Oh, my shirt. Oh. <laughs> Who's the master? The Shogun. I love that movie. You're the only person that has ever noticed my shirt. This is one of the more obscure shirts that I own, and I love it so. Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon from the mid-'80s. That's a great shirt, by the I, way. I, I love this shirt. Nobody. It's sure. funny. I wasn't even thinking about it. I forgot I even had it on. <laughs> I was like, because, you know, I stack up the shirts, the genre shirts, and the, whatever's clean. If you guys haven't seen. <laughs> That's how I do it, too, as a matter of fact. If yeah. you guys haven't seen Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, love you it. do not know who Shonuff the Shogun is. You need to watch it. All right, what's next? Uh, R. Lee said, I really disliked Thor 4. The humor had no balance. My wife and her family, who are easily pleased, found it corny and disliked it. Bottom five MCU for me. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's the thing. I told everybody when I saw it. I said, listen, this thing leans more, way more silly. If that appeals to you and works for you, that's going to be great. And if it doesn't, it's not going to work. That's why I was really surprised when I saw that the audience rating was as high as it is. Because I honestly thought it would be closer to 65, 70, maybe a top 75. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't shock me because the humor, and I normally really like what TD's humor, the humor didn't really land for me, but I thought there was enough else to recommend about it. Personally, no. like for me, kind of everything else worked. See, so that it doesn't depends shock on the me. theater you're in, too, because like I was saying, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times now and the, the, the both theaters I saw it in were roariously loud. Mine was like a lot. dead Yours quiet. was dead quiet, yeah. though. So and I've heard a bit of both from yeah. like I've heard a lot of people say I saw the audience. Everybody loved it. So I talked to some other people say saw it with an audience and it was just like crickets. So really depends on your uh, on on does that particular style of humor impact you and if it doesn't it's not going to be a movie that you're going to like mm -hmm. all right what's next uh alrencia says has rob or the crew ever read the amazon reviews for haravo <laughs> sugar free gummy yeah. bears i haven't laughed that hard in a while i know rob likes gummy bears okay. we've actually you so and i have actually talked about it on our show before. we have talked about this i do not eat the, <laughs> i do not eat the sugar free gummy bears no. for very reason i've never i love haravo they're some of my favorite candies in the world but man I've kind of once wanted to try just because I wonder. <laughs> really clear a night. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will. I will never eat them based on those reviews. But they are there. Those are that's some funny reading, John. By the way, there's another one. I, I don't have the specific one. If you guys in the live chat know what it is. Great. It is a banana peeler on Amazon. Just a, a I, banana peeling device. I have banana peelers. They're called my hand. I, I, I know. Right. But it's a banana peeler device. And it's been about a year since I saw this. I can't remember the exact thing, but I remember I started reading the reviews on it. And oh my God, it was like <laughs> right up there with the gummy bear reviews. Like it was so, some of the funniest fucking things I had like ever read. It was absolutely amazing. If any of you guys know which one it is and you have a link, leave it in the comment section because I'd love to see it again. Does that mean you're searching for a banana peeler? <laughs> no, somebody sent me a link. Somebody had sent me a link to somebody had sent me a link said, John, you gotta read the reviews on this and sent me a link to the Amazon page. And I started reading. I'm like, oh my God. All right, what's next? Likely story. Uh Michael Johnston says, What's stopping studios from making their own VFX houses? Money. <laughs> it's outrageously yeah. expensive. Uh and I'll tell you something else. I worked on a project uh for CBS that had an in-house VFX team. 
And the problem is you actually have two parts of the same company who are at odds. One, one is trying to bid on a project and the other one wants them to bid cheaper because they're all part of the same team. Right. So it becomes problematic. But you already heard us talk about how overworked everybody is, how thin the margins are. Blah. Studios open up their own VFX houses. Guess what? They're going to lose money. It's cheaper for them to subcontract it out. So that's why. All right. What's next? Is that it? <laughs> it might, I can't remember. But oh, that my God. Awesome. <laughs> what the? Well, I don't even. Oh, how does that, that even like work? Put in the toolbox. <laughs> yeah, it looks. You know, Where somebody, did the banana go? I have no idea. <laughs> somebody made that. Somebody it's, retrofitted a paint uh, a paint roller. I think. Dude, this is on Amazon. So just so you know. Oh my buy god. It, let's buy it. <laughs> it looks like a screwdriver handle, though. All right. What's next? Uh. David J said, hey, John and crew, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed the Hemsworth family summer spectacular. I mean, Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> and listen, uh, again, like even at the live chat yesterday, like the vast majority writing in was like, I thought this movie was great. And a lot of people's like, no, nah, this movie, this, this humor did not work for me. It's a great balance of it. But yeah, a lot of people loved it, which is great. Eh, not for everybody. All right. What's next? Uh, Suthia said, enjoyed Thor 4. Not sure where I place it among Phase 4, but definitely in the top half of MCU. Some editing and scene transitions were a bit choppy. I, I just think, you know, Rob and I were talking about it off air that there were a couple of small decisions I think they could have made that would have made the movie significantly better. Yeah. Uh, again, I like the film. It's just, it is my third favorite Thor film. My fifth favorite comic book thing of just this year. So I, I don't love it. It's nowhere near as good as Ragnarok, but I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I had a good time and Anna and I are planning on going to seeing it again because uh, we had we got a kick out of it. And I don't care what anybody says. They could have done the goat joke 15 more times. I still would laugh my ass off every single time. I don't know hard, why. I just, hard to agree. I believe there was a hard diminishing return on the I, goat no, joke. I, I laughed a lot every time they did their damn thing. All right, what's next? Uh, Suthius, uh Next one? No, sorry. Uh... Oh, we're back. Rewrites necessary. Sorry. Uh, I'm happy Oscar Isaac's passion for an attachment to the Metal Gear movie moved it forward. This schedule is now clear. Yay. All right, let's keep going. What's next? (laughs) Uh, Max Venn said, John, Jason Siegel in mocap suit. The picture. Oh, oh, the picture that we're not talking about. Oh, I can tell you this. Okay, look. I, I don't like to give any hints about what is or is not. I can absolutely tell you no that that's not that. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, we got uh, Luis Enrique de la Pena. Do you think Thor Love and Thunder will surpass Ragnarok by the time it gets released on Disney Plus? Well, again, that's what we were talking about. Will it pass? Um, I don't think it will. You don't? No. That's what were you said. asleep during that conversation? You really does not pay a lot of attention. <laughs> really Snorlax over there. North of Snorlax. Do you have your PlayStation back there, Ray? <laughs> so you don't, John? No. Oh, no, he's brewing about okay, because here's but here, against my guess, <laughs> the number is 853 million. Yeah. That's how much Thor Ragnarok made. Ooh. This movie has already made more than a third of that in three days. It's made three over three hundred million dollars in just three days. With not a lot of stiff competition coming out. So I still don't believe it'll make, because I don't think it has the same rewatchability as Thor Ragnarok does. So I'm going to say no, but I won't be shocked if it does, but I'm going to say no. Ray's trying to think of of a bet. No, no, because you know what? They haven't even announced the Jane Thor hot toy yet, so there's no reason to bet right now. All right. That's that's the one I want. 
Because that's what he wants. He wants a Jane hot toy. So yeah. until that's there, he's not interested. All right, what's next? Uh, hey, Rob, or should I say hi, Bob? I started hi, Bob. from Nate Kritz, by the way. Oh, Nate Kritz. Yes, thank you. Uh, I started for All Mankind based on your recommendation, and it's excellent. How far into the uh, into the future do you think we'll explore in this series? I've heard that they have eight seasons planned. They've wow. gone So they've gone, they started the 70s, they went into the 80s, and we're now in the 90s. And but I don't know where those eight seasons are. Gonna, are oh, they going to go? Are they going to explore future? Europa? Yeah, they're going to oh. go into. It's an alternate future, so it's a different time hmm. frame. I don't know, but I've heard. You know, Ron Moore has a deal with Disney, so I don't know if he's going to stay with the show. And if people still watch it, I, I get the sense that more people are watching it. I hope they go eight seasons. By the way, I just, I'm going to interject here just for a Hi, second, Bob. even though we don't have time to do this, but I'm just going to take a minute to do it anyway. I saw this great thing somebody sent me. It said, "Okay, question." Lord of the Rings is rated PG-13, and as such is allowed one F-bomb. Where, should, where <laughs> would you put it, right? So I put that up on my Twitter. I just, I just want to read a couple of the responses that I got. <laughs> Ever since that, that gummy bear question came up, right? Uh, one is, thou shalt not fucking pass. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> the ring has awoken. It has heard its master's call. Fuck. <laughs> um, uh, one does not simply walk into fucking Mordor. It is folly. Uh, Boromir, give them a moment for fuck's sake. Uh, I love that one. Uh, let's see, what's a couple of the other ones? I want to see mountains again, Gandalf. Fucking mountains. Um, let's see, Fellowship of the Ring, you shall not fucking pass. The Two Towers, you're a part of this fucking world. Return of the King. Uh, uh, but it is not this fucking day. We shall fight. I mean, the, the responses I got from people on Twitter were so funny. <laughs> so thank you to everybody who participated in that. All right, what's next? Uh, Zelda Master 702 said, since she's new, I think Amy needs a BOTF lesson. Oh, yeah, I know she it's keeps the, just saying BOTF. It's bring on the filthy? That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lesson? I'll give you the history lesson on that sometime. Well, that'll come to what it is. That but could yes. be wildly inappropriate, too, just so you know, any kind of a, a lesson on that. I mean, history lesson on where it came from. All right, what's next? Uh, Cullen Prime said, the song that saves me from Vecna is the Transformers title song by Lion in the animated movie, starting from the first word, Transformers. <laughs> Transformers, <laughs> more than meets the eye. Yeah, that was pretty good. Now you got the touch. All right, what's next? Jedediah Elias said, what role do critics play in the crunch time of the movie industry and Marvel Studios? Would a boycott make them change their business environment? I have no idea what it is you're asking. Right. Is that the VFX yeah, conversation, the VFX I'm assuming? Jessica, what role do critics play in the crunch? Do critics play in the crunch time of movie if industry? If critics boycotted the movie? Critics don't boycott movies. I don't know. Mm. And by the okay. time critics review something, it's two weeks until yeah. a movie comes out. Uh, are, but does our, do our, does our viewer mean critics, meaning people who are critical of an industry as opposed to being movie critics? I I mm. don't know. I don't either. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I mean, yeah, I just, I'm not quite sure what it is you're asking. I'm sorry about that. All right, what's next? Uh, Nariman said, so many people that have been avoiding Marvel are now jumping into phase four. A lot of my friends are asking me. It didn't come through, so. Oh, I did. Sorry like about that. That's a good one, too. All right, what's next? Our final chapter here. <laughs> but I do get more worried as time goes on. Is this project worth the trouble, and are there variables I've missed that can affect the film? Thanks. Honestly, it's it's not on any many Metal Gear Solid thing is not like any other project, any other project that they might want to roll the dice on. They're going to take a look, see what the environment is like right now. I mean, obviously, um, uh, Thief's End uh, Uncharted did did better than a lot of people thought it was going to do. 
some would say better than it deserved, but it did pretty well. And we've been starting to see some degree of success there. I, I don't care what anybody else says. I liked the Halo series. I did. Did I think it could have been better? Yes. But at the end of the day, I, I quite enjoyed watching it. I was kind of bummed out when I found out that was the last episode. So mm-hmm. there have been some stuff. They're going to evaluate this like they do every movie. What is the environment like right now? How much can we make it for? What kind of return can we expect to get on our investment? And it's, other than that, it's not going to be like anything. I expect we're going to see it at some point. They, they got the, a good lead, Oscar Isaac. Well, after he's fantastic. So yeah. they, they, they're winning right there to just make it if you're going to make it. But, uh, but, a lot, but that's, there's... Getting your lead is like the 73rd most important thing about getting these movies made. So, I mean, we've seen lots of movies that have got their big star attached and then never got made. But I I think it will, and I'll think it'll be worth rolling the dice on. And it's a really cool property. It is. It's a very cool property. Solid Snake and and Jamis, he's what a creator he is. All right, what's next? Matt Sanders said, I pulled a ray at Thor and have to see it again this weekend. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> hey, it's a lot. Hey, man, you're in this dark room. Hopefully you're in a real comfy seat. Ooh, I went to all this Regal. Kind of stuff. All right, guys. Hey, listen, we've got a few more questions to get to. But before we do, we want to hear from one more sponsor of the show. And that is our friends at Policy Genius. In these tumultuous times, life insurance can offer peace of mind that anyone who relies on you financially, a child, a parent, or even a business partner, will have a financial cushion if something happens to you. Policy Genius is an insurance comparison website that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Just click the link in the description or head to policygenius.com backslash campia to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Your personal info is private. Policy Genius doesn't sell your details to third parties. Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. Policy Genius has options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed over $150 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com backslash campia to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And thank you to our friends at Policy Genius for helping sponsor this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, we just got a few more questions to get to. Let's finish it off here. Amy, what's up next? We have Jonathan Hyatt said, hey, Campia crew, just writing to say I love you guys. And I must be the 5,000th Jonathan to join the Campia community. Shout out to producer Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Listen, we do. That's why in some places where I've lived, I've never even introduced myself as as John. Like I remember when I lived in one city, I always just went by Giovanni. It's just because there were a lot of people. Plus Giovanni's cool. Well, thank you. I like the name. Yeah. Uh, that is my real name, by the way. But, you know, it's just, especially when there's, you're in circles where there's a lot of Johns. I wish I had done that with LA when I came to LA. I, I But I started, everybody started to know me as John, so I just stuck with it. But I probably. Geo, in short, is yeah. cool. Yeah. Sometimes, well, sometimes I'll sign my emails and stuff like that, just Geo, depending on who I'm writing to. But I probably should have just stuck with Giovanni. All right. What's next? Al Rensha said, I have not liked the Iris character at all and think Patty Spivet would have been a better love interest. But honestly, not much Warner Brothers can do at all. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I really do like Iris's character. Up until they started to make her things that she is not. 
right? Like when she's his love interest and she's a reporter and she's get that she's that's her role on the show and all that stuff. But all of a sudden, oh, I'm a good reporter, so I can be the strategic head of Team Flash. And now I have superpowers. And now I, and it's like, uh, but but that's not the a problem with the Iris character. That's a problem that a lot of these comic book shows do in general. It's not limited to just the Flash. But uh, I, I think she's great. I, re- I really like her, honestly, personally. All right, what's next? Dr. Kepps said, have any of you seen The Land of Far Away with Christian Bale and Christopher Lee from 1987? I have not. I've never mm-hmm. seen that. I'll be honest, I've never even heard of it. I've never seen it. Oh, that that's not off. Hey, thank you for dropping that one, <laughs> honest man. All right, what's next? Uh, I am awesome. Four one eight said saw Thor four in IMAX three D since I saw it was available at my theater. And while it didn't do too much for this movie, I'm excited to see Avatar two that way. I I have no interest in three D like whatsoever. Mm. The only time there are three times I saw movies in three D. Well, I thought well that was interesting. One was the CGI animated Beowulf uh, that was pretty good. One was actually Paul Bettany's Priest. Not the best movie in the world. Carl Urban's also in that one. But uh, but the 3D usage was actually pretty good. And that wasn't even shot in 3D. That was post-converted 3D. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Avatar. That was the other one. So I, I'm not a 3D guy at all. I would love for 3D to die and go away. That said... I will probably make my first viewing of Avatar 2 a 3D view. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. What's next? (laughs) Jake Clark said, my grandma's funeral was today. I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Rest in peace. I love and miss her so much. Uh, BCS tonight. Hyped. Uh, Hopes for Emmys. Uh, Better Call Saul for Best Drama. Uh, Bob, Jonathan, Tony, Patrick, and Rhea. Oh, okay. Guys, please don't write in acronyms because we will probably not know what you're talking about. But yeah, Better Call Saul. Um, again, I watched the first couple of seasons and I really liked it and I don't know why I never picked it back up, but I've heard from everybody who watches it that, listen, I've been hearing from a bunch of people who watch it, who say it rivals or is better than breaking back. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's so goddamn good. That's a high bar. That's a really, would you put it as good as breaking bad? I would say I like it as much as Breaking Bad. That's good enough. I think I would say Breaking Bad might objectively be a better show, but personally, I've been enjoying it as much as You know me, there's no such thing as objectively. Yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, Danito said, if Feige is angry with new leadership at Disney, which I'm only inferring, is it possible that he takes Marvel Independent or to another studio? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, But that's like saying... That's like saying um, Ray isn't really happy with something I'm doing with the John Campia show. And he decides to take the John Campia show and goes up. Uh, no, it's mine. I own it. Yeah. Kevin Feige has no power. Kevin Feige doesn't own anything. Kevin Feige can't do anything with Marvel Studios. It is owned by Disney. You, He has no say in anything. He has no voting rights. He has no anything. Zero power. It is owned by Disney. When you are owned, you can't just go, when you're coming to your own by another, you can't just go, I think we want to go independent. Well, good for fucking you. I own it. You can't do anything. It's mine. I am Disney. It is mine. mine. So, no, Kevin Feige has no <laughs> options on that level at all. All right, what's next? 
Uh, Gavin Talks TV said, Rob, I saw the Richard E. Grant and Loki Crocodile hot toy. Oh, my God. They did a hot toy with it? Yes, not only that, but I already own the So-So Toys version, which comes with Frog Loki, Crocodile <laughs> Loki, and it's awesome. And I the didn't know they made a great. hot toy of that. Well, it's not coming out for like two years, but the So-So Toys, the, the butcher that I had yep. was made by So-So Toys. Their Loki just came out. Wow. And it's awesome. I don't want to see that. All right, what's next? We got uh, Jerry uh, Demert with the four ninety nine super chat. And is that it, Jonathan? That's it. No, I got, I got, I got just three. I want to from our members. Yeah. All right. What's up? Okay. Wayne Edwards says, "Hopeful Monday or Happy Monday, crew. Watch the season finales of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds and The Man Who Fell to Earth. In my opinion, both were fantastic. Both series overall were a joy. Rob may disagree." I mean, look, Rob Rob and I have two very different opinions about... The, Rob was not... I mean, there were parts of Star Trek Strange New Worlds you liked. Yeah. He really didn't like the last two episodes. I thought the last two episodes... I finally got caught up. I thought they were fucking brilliant. I thought it's the best Star Trek has been and since a lot Next of Generation. Uh, or since Next... Not as good as Next Generation, but I think since Next Generation. Uh, I thought it was really good. But it's, you're going to get different opinions on that, but I'm glad you liked it. Okay. Shane Rock, Roxas says, Most cats suck. However, my cat... Kylo Hercules Roxas is a damn <laughs> legend in his own time. Well, first of all, when you Love give your guy. cat a badass name like that, that makes the cat five times better right there all by itself. So <laughs> well-named. All right, what's next? And we got the last one from Rob Al Alvilar. He says, going to see Weird Al after work today. Uh. Nice. Ann and I actually have tickets for the next Weird Al concert. I think it's at the Greek Theater. I think it's at the Greek is Theater. Is it soon? I think it's soon. I, I remember we bought the tickets like a year in advance. Is but he I think touring it's right now? Because I yeah, he yeah. played Vegas too. Ann and I were in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and then we realized one afternoon, holy shit, Weird Al's playing in town tonight. But it was too late. We already had other plans. Okay. But it's like, oh, He's so goddamn fun live. Oh god, Great I show. love Weird Have Al. Fun. All right, guys, that'll do it. For this installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, guys, we got a mailbag coming today. We got part two of the Thor Open spoiler discussion coming today. And of course, the John Campy Show returns again tomorrow. We hope you'll come back and join us then as well. So for everybody in the room, Robert Meyer Burnett, Amy Newman, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico, and myself. I'm John Campia. That'll do it for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep your operation running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, Maria in Miami, and Jules and Troy, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with high-quality supplies for every industry, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.